This is the Everything F1 podcast, driven by the fans, for the fans. Welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller. Alongside me today from the Everything F1 team, we do have Sean. How are you doing, Sean? You okay? I've been better. I have I have potentially caught the the the, the it was which was not be named, but uh, I'm all right. I'm looking forward to, to having a chat about the whole season. Good job. We're not too close. We are socially distanced via uh, webcam, so don't worry about us all. Um, yeah, a big body of water. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but we've also got with us the Scotsman himself, Coops. Hi, Coops. Hello. I'm fine. How are you? I'm very good. Just coming off uh, a holiday uh, in Lapland with my family, um, which is why you haven't heard my voice for the last couple of weeks um so it's great to be back talking about the sport that we love uh, and i hope you've all missed me uh <laughs> did, did, did you get the did you get the big guy's thoughts on the formula one this season oh uh, i don't know he, he didn't he wasn't too chatty about that sort of thing but he did uh, wish you all a happy christmas and i'm going to post that on christmas day um for all that's very nice to see, which will be nice <laughs> you know. there you go um so yeah let's uh, let's crack on to it what we're talking about today is we're talking about the best five things that happened this season and the worst five things that happens happened this season so the best and the worst uh, of the 2021 uh, f1 season so with that i think with five we, we, we're trying to keep it as small as possible but actually it's going to give us loads to chat about um so but before we all, but before we do that i do want to mention obviously that we are everything f1 you can find us on facebook twitter instagram and youtube we have also got a discord server and our website www.everythingf1.com so visit those things give us a like give us a share join in the conversation wherever you may be We've also got this podcast that you're listening to today. We'd love you to hit the subscribe button. And if your service does provide a way of rating us, give us a five-star review and we'll give you a shout out on one of the future episodes of the podcast. Let's get into this top five and worst five moments from the 2021 season. So we're going to start with a worst. Number in at number five, the worst of the season was Hass. Although we also are dropping in Aston Martin. So I'm going to go over to Sean because he was the one that suggested actually we do uh, make sure we talk about Aston Martin. But, but why? What, 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 what was so bad about Aston Martin that we put them in as number five uh, worst of the season? They were, to, I think to say they, they underperformed this season is, is just a huge understatement. They obviously, they had a great year last year as Racing Point. They finished fourth. Mm-hmm. Um very close, right behind McLaren, only for a couple of things going their way. They'd have finished third ahead of McLaren. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden this season, where do they drop to? Seventh. Only, uh, I mean, a million miles off Alpha Tauri, almost half as many points as Alpha Tauri, mm. uh, who themselves were no great shakes and basically kind of only had one driver this year. Um, <laughs> and just with the exception of uh, a second place in Hungary, which was taken off Seb for Aston's own stupidity. 
movie is what it was. <laughs> um, and we got nothing from them really all season except uh, an oddly coloured car that looked like more like a Mercedes than last year's actual Mercedes copy. <laughs> and and just Otmar Zafnauer in the media, at least for the first half of the season, just complaining left, right and centre that they were victims and they were targeted and we did something right and then we were targeted. It's like, no, you weren't. The rules were maybe introduced. There's an argument to maybe slow Mercedes down a bit more than everyone else mm. to level the playing field. But everyone was hit by them. Anyone who had that kind of low-rate concept was hit especially hard by it. And it's just, uh, you know, Aston Martin's kind of fault that they decided to bloody-mindedly stick with this photocopied Mercedes. And they got hit worse than, than everyone else. Mercedes still managed to go and win the constructors with it, didn't they? Um, but no, I was I was very disappointed by Aston this year. I was quite looking forward to them. I actually have nothing really against Stroll. I think he's, we've said this a couple of times on the podcast. I think he's more than earned his space in F1. I don't think he's a champion in waiting, um, but he's got a good couple of podiums. I think he's more than earned himself more than just the pay driver moniker. Mm-hmm. And obviously Seb, you know, I think ever since leaving Red Bull several years ago, I don't think anyone could really say a bad thing about Seb, except for that maybe brake test thing in Baku a couple of years ago. Um <laughs> But I, I like I had high hopes for Aston this year. I wanted to like them a bit more than I did last year. But I was just they they underperformed. Yes, they finished seventh. Yes, they finished ahead of Williams and Alpha. But I mean, the goal for Williams and Alpha this year was just to score points, which they both did repeatedly. Uh, Aston were just, uh, I think, the worst of the rest, really, other than Haas, who we knew from day one weren't going to develop that car. Uh, mm-hmm. So yes, Haas is number five on this list because yes, they finished last with zero points and somehow Mazepin finished 21st in a 20-driver season um, because in his two races, Robert Kubica finished higher than Mazepin managed all season. And I just love that stat about this year. So yes, obviously Haas are last, but if we're being fair to Haas, really, I think it was Aston Martin who were, all things considered, the worst team of the year. Coops, what have you got to add to that? Haas and Aston Martin, uh, number five worst of the season. Uh, It's pretty well covered by Sean. I mean, we all had this, I don't know if it was a kind of romantic idea that Aston Martin, the suave, suave Aston Martin's going to appear on the grid, you know, the British racing green. And it was just a bit of a damp squib. And you, you could see it from pre-season testing. Seb, I think on one day in pre-season testing, lasted about five laps before his engine was like, nope. Uh, and then to cover the fact that they just didn't get it right, they just pointed the finger at the regulations. Um, I mean, to be fair, on Aston Martin, they didn't expect to be running that car, which is essentially, I think it's the 2018, 2019 car in 2021. Mm. But then none of the teams expected to be racing. I mean, there's there's McLaren, the only team of the year that had to put a new engine in a car that wasn't designed for that power, uh, power mm-hmm. unit uh, and still managed it and got the only one, two of the season. So... Yeah, pretty damp scrub. Haas, I've been saying it most of last season, not this season finished, the previous one, that this season was going to be what it was because they weren't developing. They were looking directly at 2022's car. So we expected that. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I think Snafnauer needs to start, you know, he needs to look at his own house and tidy that up first before he starts pointing the fingers. And also... All the teams agreed on the regulations changes for this season, including Aston Martin. So mm. if it came out that it would be a bit worse for his team, tough luck. That's just how the cookie crumbles. And mm. 
the Mercedes who have the other car very similar to Aston Martin almost won the championship and won the constructors. So you can't really point too too much. Uh, it's a bit like Snaff now moaning that the lie detector test he took was wrong, even though he passed a couple of questions and failed a couple more. You're kind of like, well, you know, not quite right there. So, yeah, yeah, it was disappointing. But the only thing about it is Aston Martin have the money, have the facilities coming. You know, it's not, they're not, they've, they've got, got a lot, the stroll. Lots of stuff uh, coming they've in got, from Mercedes yes. and... Uh, Red Bull that have been poached. Um, so they, they could on, be a, be a the force to be list. reckoned with. Yeah, they've been on the shopping list. I think it's the most recent one. The, 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 one of the more high profile is the chief aerodynamicist from Red Bull's heading over there. Yeah. Uh, that's a big deal and with these new regulations. And they've got that whole new factory and wind tunnel in the, in the pipeline as well. So like you said, they're, they're not lacking for resources. They just, I think, damn, damn squib is the, the, the most accurate yeah, term for them this year really it was a bit, it's a bit unfortunate I expect and I think we all expect maybe more for them this year and I think they will come a bit better over the next co- coming years they didn't sign Seb Vettel just to trundle around in 14th every week um, they obviously have big plans I think they were just expecting more from this season I think we were all expecting more from them this season really yeah. and Haas uh, I just want to quick, quickly mention if, if Haas aren't on uh, some podiums next year uh <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 ex- I expect I expect Braun 2.0 next year to be perfectly honest <laughs> all this focusing I, on next year's car it's got to be it's got to amount to something you'd think I, I'm going to stick a fiver on Mick Schumacher to be champion next year <laughs> yeah uh, be prepared to lose that five pound <laughs> yeah I'll just take it off you now Sean <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, I, won, I won my money for my fiver on Max this year so you know oh, oh nice that's good yeah yeah true very true well, let's go to our best, number five uh, in the best uh, of the season. We want to mention, um, well, Ferrari and McLaren, the battle, but specifically how well Carlos Sainz has fit in uh, with the Scuderia Ferrari team, uh, as opposed to obviously how Danny Rick struggled as he kind of tried to fit in with the McLaren team. So let's talk about that that great battle uh, between McLaren and Ferrari uh, for that kind of you know, the second, uh, the, the third and fourth positions in, in the championship. Uh, we'll go to Coops first this time mm-hmm. uh, as a McLaren fan. Uh, mm-hmm. Was it was it good to see uh, the, the battle between Ferrari and McLaren this year? Well, yes, for the first half of the season. When McLaren were doing better, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think in a slightly negative to get that out of the road first, Ricardo kind of under, underperformed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it took a lot of coaching and a lot of kind of... But the thing is, to underperform in McLaren is not a bad thing. Maybe back in their own Dennis days, it wouldn't have been good. But in the current guys with Seidel and Zach Brown, you know, they invested in them. So they took time, you know, to 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 work with them and get that confidence back. Uh, I mean, he didn't lose his talent just because he's got a slightly unique car to understand. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think when you asked us all to put down what I... You know, our top five and top, you know, top five worst and best. I actually put the coming on the coming of age of Norris, mm. uh, especially the start of the season, and I think it was slightly amplified because of the the underperformance of Ricardo. Not to take anything away from him, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, he got. I'm sure did he get a pole or did he get a second place? I think was. Uh, he's been up near the front of the grid. Uh, he got second with a one-two. Uh, 
you know, he was third in the championship for a long time. And then, you know, the wheels kind of came off the whole kind of mm. season for them in the second half of the season. He could was have it, won a race. Was it the wheels coming off or was it Ferrari actually, you know, putting the wheels on, if, if that makes well, sense? Well, is not, that the opposite of, of the wheels coming off? I don't know. Well, well, not really, because Ferrari were always there. It's just McLaren were just slightly in front. But the minute McLaren kind of dropped back, Ferrari stayed there. Right. Uh, you know, pretty much, I don't know how many, I'm sure there's somebody out there that's done the stats or could, we could check it, but just about every race, near the, especially the second half of the season, it was either Saints, Leclerc, Leclerc, Saints, Saints, Leclerc, they were always together. Uh-huh. And then Saints, obviously, to highlight how good a season he had, he finished above Leclerc in the standing. Uh, and I think nobody noticed he was in the podium in the last race in the season. <laughs> uh, outside yeah, the top two quite, nobody realised anything it was irrelevant uh, wasn't it at, at that uh, point it's a shame for him but you know good yeah, result but you know go back to McLaren yeah they've got a lot they've built a very solid foundation uh, and I, I think what makes it better for them which also I think is parallel to the Ferrari situation is McLaren are the only team that had to put a new engine into a car from the previous year mm. they were never it was never supposed to you know, they were never supposed to have this car this yeah. year. Uh, mm. So to do that in a car that's not designed for that engine and, you know, Renault don't use the split turbo, McLaren, uh, Mercedes do. So it's a completely different building. So it's, it's set out differently. To get that to work that way and to be competitive for majority of the season, you know, it's a remarkable achievement. And then the parallel side of the kind of mirrored side for Ferrari was the fact that they came off the worst season since 1982-1983 to then finish third in the championship and it wasn't even close by the end up. No, they did so well. They did and Carlos Sainz and the consistency the biggest problem for Ferrari being so consistent was you never saw them in the telly. Like I think the circuit of the Americas was one of Leclerc's best drives and he was just spectacularly anonymous because mm. he just got in there and got on with it. Uh, so, yeah, Ferrari of, you know, McLaren, they've got a good pairing. Norris, uh, Ricardo, I can see them staying there for a good number of years uh, to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them, their personalities work within McLaren. Uh, it was disappointing they never got third, but, you know, for Ferrari to be resurgent, uh, even as a uh, McLaren fan, I can't really fault Ferrari. You know, round of applause to them, well done. No, it, it's some it, F1 needs Ferrari and Ferrari needs F1. It's it's those things that work in hand in hand. So it's good to see uh, a competitive um, Scuderia Ferrari team. Uh, Sean, what have you got to add about Carlos's season, maybe uh, specifically um, in the new Ferrari? Uh, yeah, I, I thought like for most of the season, like Lando Norris, again, I said it a couple of times in the podcast, Lando Norris is a shoe in for the driver of the season, but I think it's his old mate who just pipped him. Uh, okay. Not that Lando didn't have a stunning season, um, but in my mind, like Carlos Sainz, I have the, the stats here of his points per season. So 2015, 18 points, 16, 46, 54, 53. Then he moves to McLaren in 2019, jumps up to 96, 105, and then just takes off into the stratosphere in 2021, 164 and a half points. Mad. It's great. It's, a, it's an insane just, and at a team where, Everyone was expecting him to go there and be Charles uh, Leclerc's number two. Um, I think even to a certain extent, he was probably expecting to go there and be told to get out of the way for Charles. But very early on, that wasn't the case. And in fact, Charles was bumped out of the way in his favour early on uh, at a few races. Um, 
And I mean, we're like in, in my house here, I'm a lifelong McLaren fan. My girlfriend got into F1 following Ferrari. She's a big Charles Leclerc fan. We're both big Carlos Sainz fans. I've never really had anything against Ferrari. I just kind of disliked domination. And when I was growing up, sport McLaren, Ferrari were dominating. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I, I, you know, I think in terms of next season, especially, I know Mercedes have Russell and, and Hamilton, but I don't think that's going to be anywhere near as harmonious as everyone thinks it will be. Mm. Um, I think Ferrari and McLaren have all things considered the strongest driving driver pairings next year. I think Ferrari actually pipped them on that a little bit because unless Danny can really get to terms with this new car, he, he has, as, as Coop said, underperformed this year with the exception of that amazing win. Um, so yeah, I think like, all considered, Ferrari have the strongest driver lineup probably that they've ever had next season. It's really exciting. The two of them are so level. Carlos Sainz is just massively up to his game. We know Charles Leclerc is this meteoric talent who is like, give him the car and he will wipe the floor with everybody kind of talent. But I think Carlos Sainz this year has proved that he, he's the same. Like if you, put the, if you put the two of them in a third and fourth Mercedes with Russell and Hamilton, I'd stick my money on one of them. Uh, to, to come out on top and it, it's very exciting you talked about kind of where they finished line of stern I've just checked it up they finished one behind the other six times this season and four of those six were in the last five races so Mexico Brazil Qatar and Saudi Arabia they finished fifth sixth fifth sixth seventh eighth seventh eighth so nice. they, they did finish line of stern regularly this season which is extremely impressive um, and even when they didn't finish exactly one behind the other, there was barely more than a place between them all seasons. Sixth, eighth, fourth, fifth, fourth, seventh, fourth, eighth, sixth, seventh, fifth, eighth. Like they were right beside each other in the thick of the points every single race. Their, their consistency, both of them this season, has been incredible. Um, and I've been very impressed with them, and especially after what was such a damp oh not even damp is just a kind word it was a crap season last year mm. um words that i if i said it you'd have to bleep them out and i don't want you to edit that's just a nightmare <laughs> it was a rubbish season last year so the way they've come back uh this year yes with the caveat that mclaren had to squeeze that engine in they did a good job with that but ferrari essentially had to squeeze their own new engine into that car and they did a better job with it um and yeah very impressive and like you said Yes, McLaren had a, just a rubbish run of form at the end. Every single time there was a safety car or a VSE or something like that, it just seemed to be the two of them that got caught out every yeah. single time in the yeah. last kind of five, six races um, or whenever something happened. Obviously, Danny got hit in Mexico and Lando got the, the brunt of the, the safety car and uh, in, in what was it, Saudi Arabia or Abu Dhabi, and they, they just they just had a rubbish run of form. And I don't even think it was the car was that bad. They were both doing pretty well in practice and qualifying. Just they, it was their turn to get a bit of bad luck, I think, and it just happened to all coincide with Ferrari perf- overperforming. I think, mm. um, and Ferrari ran it like I I, th- I think that three twenty three and a half to two seventy five maybe flatters Ferrari a little bit in the gulf between them because I think early in the season McLaren were comfortably best of the rest mm. um, I don't necessarily think Ferrari's heights top McLaren's heights they certainly didn't the only team to get a 1-2 all season but uh, still they, they finished third and, and fairly so and I'm very excited to see what they do for next season Keeps you got something to add? Yeah, just a quick one it just occurred to me uh, I know we've had such a season with everything going on and I mention it just about every podcast we actually had an exciting French Grand Prix but one thing that has went under the radar and it's probably the most exciting thing of the season is Ferrari have learned how to use two cars 
Yeah. And not screw a second driver to help the first driver. But how long will that last? If they've got a competitive car next year, are they going to allow that team battle to kind of play out like every other team or, or like a lot of the other teams have? Um, I think next year, yes, because if they have the chance to finish second or first in the constructors, hmm. they're going to do that. But I think after that, if they continue a run of form, then they'll pick one over the other. Right. You know, I think I think next season with the new t- new cars will be everything for the team. Beyond that, then, un- unless they're just running away with it and it's the two of them fighting for the championship, <laughs> which is unlikely. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think Gibbs makes a very good point there. They've it's very much not the Ferrari of old. They've they've matured despite their young drivers okay well we'll move on to the next worst in at number four for the worst things to come for this season uh, was that debacle of wet weather in spa coops how terrible was that race uh, and the uh, decisions well it was kind of written in fate that whole weekend i mean was it wasn't just I don't even think it was a week before the race. The 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 person that ran it and forgive me, I've forgotten her name. She was uh, she was killed uh, in a kind of murder suicide thing. And then you had uh, Lando Norris uh, banning it on a rouge radio. Uh, that was a that was a stutter. He was heading for a looked like a pole position and just completely destroyed it. You had the W Series. They had quite a nasty smash that way up there. And then, of course, we just didn't have a race. It just didn't happen. It was you know, just too we, bloody wet. <laughs> you just couldn't do it. Even even wet tyres have, have their list. I think the issue, again, a lot of things happened in 2021 which raised the eyebrow about regulations and about rules and all that sort of stuff. So, mm. you know, that's why we ended up with half points, which really annoyed me What looking at any of them. I don't like 0.5 points. It looks weird. It just really worked <laughs> me up. So I, I hated it. I hated it when Jensen Bunton won his championship because they had the same situation, not quite as bad with Malaysia. But yeah, it just it kind of flagged up a few issues there. Like if they run behind the safety car for three laps, it'll be classed as a race and they'll get half points. Uh, and now we've got the issue about compensation, which is touched on, which was actually released today, I think. It's not been 100% confirmed, but there has been some things on the old Twitterverse about it. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting watching Mick Schumacher play football, Sebastian Vettel tugging a few people's <laughs> emotional heartstrings. Oh. Uh, shame for George Russell not to get... Uh, not to get a chance to try and race that car, but then it's a Williams in second place. That was going nowhere but backwards, uh, especially in the power circuit like Spa. But uh, yeah, it's just, you know, we couldn't do anything about it. It was weather. It is what it is. It just brought up the issue in regards to the regulations, which there's been one or two things that have done that. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed it. But there was a couple of other things that have caused issues. Definitely be talking about regulations yeah. uh, later on. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Um, but what another thing? It gave Max another win, uh, and obviously that was that was really really powerful. Uh, the later on in the season, um, because obviously if it did go down to a draw at the end of the season, which it, it could have done, um, you know, very likely he would have won the season on wins because of what three laps behind a safety car in Spa. Uh, I don't know about you, but that that wouldn't sit right with me. Um, Sean, what what have you got to say about Spa? 
I hadn't actually thought of that, to be perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> that hadn't crossed my mind at all. I just knew Max had his nine, now 10 race wins. Yeah. Um, but uh, that is a very fair point. I actually don't know how I would have felt about that. I might not have been too pressed because, you know, new champion. Um, <laughs> but I think I might have understand, understood Lewis and Lewis fans' kind of resistance to that had that been the case. Mm. Um, but, I mean, beyond that, go back to, 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 spa, to the spa weekend, that was... Obviously, weather is not really in their control. I mean, we had we've had races cats before. Didn't at one point they they were considering using mon- or they had monsoon tires. Hmm. Am I remembering that correctly for Japan? Um, oh, maybe, so yeah. maybe maybe we need to bring back monsoon tires for <laughs> Belgium. Um, I, th- I think that was a Bridgestone thing. I don't. Th- it was I th- a Bridgestone. It was, yeah, 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 yeah. It was monsoon it was, tires. It never. I, I don't even think they ever made it on. T- to a track at any point. I don't I think, think they ever it, raced them, but it, they, no. they were. I think it was they were introduced at the year after it was 2004 or something like that. The monsoon came in Tokyo in yeah. Suzuka, completely washed out the race, and the next year they brought monsoon tires, and it was a sunny day. Um, but <laughs> so maybe something like that, something dramatic, so that at least a race can happen, even if it's at 100 kilometers an hour. Do you know? Mm. Um, but I get that you know weather is out of their control. They do everything they can. They have wet weather tires. The, the visors are are heated and, and, and fog resistant, so the drivers can at least still see. Um, shy of having windscreen wipers, it's the best they can do. But and obviously, Max of all of them was like, "Oh, this this is fine. Let, let's go racing," because he only had the spray of the the, the yeah. He was at the front. Safety so, cars. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he only had the spray of the safety car in front of him, which doesn't kick up a spray and doesn't have aerodynamics really. Whereas the Formula One cars behind him couldn't see jack. Um, so it was, um, I think, I think the weather um, out of the, out of the control, how they handled it. And again, we've said that we'll talk about this later, but this was another instance of the FIA panicking really mm. badly. And Michael Massey panicking really badly. Well, let's not focus on that now, um, but let's focus. You've got not a not personal experience, but you've got friends that were there uh, at, at, at Spa and, and they how, how were they treated and how are they, are they happy with how they were treated afterwards? Not well and no. Um, exactly. Like, and I mentioned this kind of the, the, the Belgian Grand Prix weekend. Uh, theirs was an extremely extreme case. They had uh-huh. saved up for this race for years. It was supposed to be their 10-year wedding anniversary last year, which was cancelled, understandable. So they went this year. Uh-huh. Um, they had paddock passes, everything. They were in oh. the paddock club and, and every like the, the dream location where they first started dating 10 years ago at the Belgian Grand Prix. Oh. Perfect scenario. And then obviously the weather comes and we're FaceTiming at the time and like 10 seconds in the rain and she was so to the skin it was bad way worse <sighs> than it looked on tv yeah um and actually knowing that i can kind of understand why there was like push to not have the race so in terms of like the actual decision to race or not to race they actually didn't mind that no race was going to happen they understood the risk of going to somewhere like spa uh-huh. uh, especially somewhere like spa that you have that risk that it might not happen lads it's belgium it's the mountains in the middle of, of europe there's gonna be rain mm. um it was how they were treated. The, the the reactions of security and personnel within the paddock club, within the, the track, they were literally just frog marched out the door. They paid several tens of thousands of quid for this these tickets. They were frog marked unceremoniously out the door. Mm. And now only to find out that what they might get, again, unconfirmed, but one F1 TV pass per person, uh, which if you're in the part of the world that I'm in, doesn't work. 
Um, <laughs> there is no F1 TV in Ireland. Mm. Um, and the chance to ex- to attend an exclusive event on the Thursday prior to next year's race, presumably that's next year's Spa race. Yeah. Now, that's all well and good for the seven people who live in Spa. <laughs> for the 140,000 people who travelled there, that's yeah. rubbish. Mm. Do you know? So, so what, they have to go all the way back to Spa in the middle of the week with or without tickets to go to a thing on a Thursday afternoon up in the Arden Forest. Like, that's that's a sh- that's pathetic. They'd have been oh, yeah, just yeah. to not do anything. You're missing out on the, the chance to enter a competition to win tickets <laughs> to the weekend. Sorry, Only yeah. Only if that you too. go so to the Thursday event. So you go to the Thursday, you, you spend your money on your flights or your driving and your hotel to go to the Thursday event and maybe go into a lotto with 140,000 people to maybe win two tickets. Hooray! I'm so I'm sure my friends are so glad they spent 15 grand on those tickets. Oh, that, oh, that's they, a lot they, of money. They, they had kind of gotten over the fact that they weren't going to get anything back. This is all, this is actually more of an insult it's to added, them now, I'd have thought. Added insult to injury, yeah, exactly. Very much so. Yeah, that was now, a shambles. To, to kind of just to let everyone know what the situation is this isn't Formula 1 this is the promoters of Spa because Formula 1 were able to classify quote unquote a race because they've done the mm. three laps behind the safety car any compensation falls on the promoter because technically they had a race if Formula 1 turned around and went we're cancelling it it's on Formula 1 that's probably part of the reason why they did the three laps behind the safety car mm-hmm. so they could award the points and not have to null and void it uh, so it's the promoter from the spa track who have decided, or the promoters of the spa event who have decided this is what they're going to do. So no one go on about Formula One and Massey and the FIA. You're doing that enough. We don't need to stoke the flames. This is spa as an organization, as a track that have mm. decided this. It's still a, a, a it's not a, nice, but it's, it's not, it's not like I said, they they've gotten away for the last what three or four months with saying don't really know if we can refund you lads. It was an expensive thing. We don't yeah. have, after a year with no fans, we don't really have 20 million to refund you all. That's actually completely understandable. And like I said, the people I know are at the race had come to terms with that. They knew the risk of going to somewhere like Spa. This feels, they, they, they I, I get, I get they're trying to do something. This isn't the thing to do. No. Well, it doesn't, as I say, not confirmed yet, but sounds like it's very likely. Um, but it's yeah. a bit big kind of, unless what they're doing is they're, they're sending things out and, and kind of seeing what the media, res- the social media response is to, to kind of see whether they need to up it or down or, you know, lower it or whatever. Maybe they're just putting the feelers out. Let's, let's start a rumor about these things. But anyway, well, getting, if, if that's true and if they're listening, up it, lads. Do something else. <laughs> Put your hands in your pocket a bit more. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. You know, 50% off tickets. If you can prove that you had a ticket for the year before, give you 50% yes. off. Yeah. Something. It doesn't, we don't want, we're not saying you need to give the, the whole spa weekend, this 2022 has to be free because we know you're a business. But mm-hmm. not just a free exclusive event, whoopie do, <laughs> and a chance yeah. to win some goodies, whoopie do. But it's good, <laughs> there's competitions to win Formula One goodies all year round if you know where to look. Yeah. So, you know, something. A bit yeah. better than what it is. It was the first Agreed. time fans can be there for over a year. A lot of people, as Sean's uh, friends have done, spent a lot of money. I saw something where a guy spent nearly a grand and it was his son's first ever Grand Prix. He never got to see oh, it. But what you're going to do, let's send them over to an event next Thursday and the chance you may get to see something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, lads. In the middle I of mean, Belgium, in the middle I, of September when the kid's in school. Yeah, exactly. If, if, like, if this is true, the thing that I think is quite funny is 
how did that get through the group of people and think that that was going to be all right? Did somebody not read that and think, like, this is a joke? Is, surely? Is this what we're going It's with? almost like, well, we have we have three things. That, that'll be enough. We've got three things. Yeah. What are they? It doesn't matter. It's three things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get a wee stage. We've got Dave with the white van who's got a stage and a couple of lights. Get them in, you know. <laughs> F1 TV, like, but half the world can't access it. It's just like yeah. historical stuff. Yeah, but still, they can watch the 1982 Spa Race or something. You know, it'll be fine. It's just a bit, it was a bit, it's just cheap. And I mean, yeah. that's coming from a Scotsman. So <laughs> a Scotsman is saying it's cheap. It's cheap. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to the number four uh, for the best. Uh, and we've chosen, we've chosen four uh, to be Williams, the team Williams, and their resurgence this year. And the fact that George Russell and Nicholas Latifi both scored points this year uh, and were actually pretty consistent. We got to a point where we were saying... Oh yeah, George scored points again this week. Oh, Nicholas, oh, oh, we, no, no, this is we, getting we boring. Never... This is this is like this is like re- a regular occurrence now, and it was great to see at the start. We were all very happy to see those points being scored. Um, okay, we'll go to uh, we'll go to Coops. Give us give us your lowdown on the Williams team. Well, first off, rest in peace, Frank Williams. You will be missed. Uh, we lost a couple yes. of legends of the sport uh, this year uh, with Murray Walker and then uh, Sir Frank. Uh, so. Long may the Williams name continue and we can relive your your great days in the past. But anyway, moving on to some lighter tones. Uh, It wasn't just the fact that we actually were like, oh yeah, they got points. We kind of got to a point where we forgot they got points. (laughs) Like like halfway through, halfway through just talking about the race, oh, wait a minute, Russell got another point. Oh, there you go. you know, Williams are doing, I think they're doing what Mercedes did, eh, not Mercedes, sorry, McLaren did a couple, of, a few years ago. They've hired a good person and uh, I forgot Just, his name. Just Capito. That's the one. Uh, he, he, he's very much of a similar kind of vein to uh, Andre Seidel. He's very enthusiastic, but he knows his stuff very much from the automotive world, brought in some decent people, steadied the ship. Uh, they've got Albon coming in, who's got a point to prove. Latifi is steady. He's been in the shadow of Russell for a few years. He's a steady driver. Uh, gets on with it, does his thing. Uh, and at the kept coming to the end of the season, there he was starting to qualify Russell as well. So, uh, so yeah, they've they've done good. They need to sort out the livery because when I saw it at the start of the season, I thought, oh, I don't know. And I, I wanted it to kind of let it grow on me, and it never really did. I don't really know what they were doing. Don't know what they're trying to do. But it, it it looked like something that I would make when I was doing Gran Turismo on the three six the Xbox three sixty. It's just a bit. It was just a bit weird. Uh, mm. But yeah, in terms of the team itself and stuff, you know, you couldn't fault them. They did exactly what was meant in the tin. Get themselves into Q two, maybe get the other points to Q one. I don't think they ever they quite made that, but they did get themselves regularly into Q two. Got their points when they needed to get them, uh, and I think everybody was happy that Russell done that because three years driving around the back in Williams and then leaving without a point, that mm. would be quite sore for him. But, mm. you know, yeah, there's not much else. We did what they needed to do, so it was good. Uh, can we mention the uh, the incident, was it, um, at Imola with him and Bottas? Uh, with George Russell oh, and Bottas. Yes, yes, that was probably a low point uh, in, yes. in the Williams year. We'll mention it, but it, it, we're still saying it's great that Williams were up there, but a low point for... for uh, 
for Russell, definitely was that incident with well, Bottas. That was, the, that was the threat to go to the Clio Cup. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> which I think during that conversation, it meant that he had to tweet what he tweeted at the end of the Abu Dhabi race because he had to. <laughs> um, yeah, you're, yeah, you're punished for days. Yeah, yes, you will <laughs> let me use that. What's your login for Twitter? Um, you know, he was he was doing the corporate line. And to be honest with you, uh, not, not to kind of take away from his achievements this year, but this year for Russell, was an addition for Total Will. Look, Total, this is what I can do. Screw up my race so that Latifi can get points. Like, that's mm. got nothing to do with Williams. That's him telling Mercedes. <laughs> I'm a team player. Good, what I, can, I can play second Hamilton. fiddle if I need yep. to. Yeah. yeah. You know, he'll be, you know, it's going to be interesting because if Russell gets a hang of this new car and we expect Mercedes to be up the front with Red Bull again, and you've got, you've got uh, Perez, Russell, Hamilton and Verstappen. Now, Russell's going to be a much better wingman than Bottas was this year. Excuse me. Uh, and Perez will be seeing what Perez can do when he needs to be the wingman. So if they four are up the top, it's going to be interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. But yes, Russell did do the whole year of, look at me, I can do good things. Uh, except <laughs> why, except spent costing Mercedes a good four million when he decided to wipe out the car, then blame Bottas uh, <laughs> and go over, and re- go over to yeah. him and give him a tap on the uh, helmet to boot as uh, well. Uh, and then and then you know you everyone's watching it going, George, pal, kind of rein it in, buddy. That, that was you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't really want to be on the other side of uh, uh, Total Wolf. I mean, you saw what he did to a pair of Bose headphones. So, uh, you know, you, really didn't, didn't, he break it, didn't he break his own wrist slamming the, the, the table once? <laughs> I think he did, yeah. So, uh, Sean, what have, you got to, what, what have you got to add about the, uh, the Williams uh, resurgence this year? Just good to see that name back at the top. Well, not at the top, but back kind of performing well, we'll say. For sure. And I think Coop's, Coop said it perfectly. I think it, it's very reminiscent of McLaren three years ago. Um, the, uh, a little bit more dramatic because Williams were scoring zero points, but like to go from zero points to what did they get 23 this year? Mm. Um, and they were zero points and stone dead last this year to 23 points and eighth ahead of Alpha and Haas. That's that's a serious improvement, that's a bigger improvement than anyone else on the grid this year, except for Ferrari. Um, but uh, arguably a more impressive one because of their limited resources and just how bad things were for them, yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised with Williams this year, particularly Nicholas Latifi. Um, I think he deserves a special shout out. <clears throat> I think quite like Lance Stroll, or maybe even more so than Lance Stroll, I think this year especially, he's done enough in my eyes to quell that whole he's only a pay driver thing. I think he's a very good driver. Um, I think he deserves a spot in Formula One. He finished second in F2, only to Nick DeVries, who's only just gone and won the Formula E championship, who was a McLaren junior, a Mercedes junior, who's an extremely talented young driver. And Nicholas Satifi finished a very close second to him in F2, which is even more competitive racing than Formula One. So yeah. He's a good driver. Um, he's got good talent. To see him get a couple of points this year, I thought I think was excellent and well-deserved. Um and yeah, I, I'm very, very happy to see that. I'm, I'm, I think we're all Williams fans at heart, really, aren't we? Um, yeah. We all want to see Williams do well. There's, there's such a like. Obviously, Sir Frank's story is is nothing if not heartwarming and just outright motivational and inspirational. Um, coming into the sport with nothing and literally turning his name into an icon of the biggest motorsport in the world. Uh-huh. Um, and getting so, sacked yeah. first before he gets the Williams team. You know, he was in with uh, 
can't remember his first name, but it was Will Williams Racing, and Will, the guy Will, sacked him. So he, he started, failed it, and went, well, I'll just do it myself then. Do it again. And then, yeah. like, and then very quickly was successful. So it is, as you say, very much inspirational. For sure. Um, and yeah, I, I'm happy to see Williams where they are this year. I thought they had a good year. Uh, I'm still on the fence about George Russell's whole, you know, I'm a, num- I, I'm a team player thing. I personally actually think that was for the benefit of Williams, not for Total Wolf listening. I think it was, he knows in, him, he knows in himself how important points were to Williams. He had the wherewithal to know where Nicky was on the track yeah. and that he had the wherewithal to know that the strategy change to sacrifice his race would have helped Nicky as well. I think that was extremely impressive. Definitely not going to see that in a black or silver car next year or ever again. Um, and in terms of like getting to getting to grips with the car quickly, he was tossed into Lewis Hamilton's car with the wrong size shoes in a car that he didn't fit in, uh, in a seat that he didn't fit in, um, scrunched up and should have won the race and finished what he was like half a tenth behind Bottas in qualifying. He's 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 the one to watch. He's going to disrupt Lewis Hamilton more than Nick Rosberg or Max Verstappen ever could. Oh, yeah. let's hope so. Uh, let's hope so. Let's, let's 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 hope it does have. You know, it'd be great to just see more than the the two battling out for the championship for sure. next year, wouldn't it? You know, be great. Um, so yeah, okay. Well, let's move on to number three uh, in the worst things that have happened this season. Um, Hamilton, Max Verstappen crashes and coming together. We've put down uh, for number three worst because no one wants to see. I mean, do <laughs> sneakily, we probably do want to see a bit of uh, coming together between the top two. Um, but there were some real, really questionable ones. Uh, obviously, they, some of them forced bad decisions from the FAA, which we will again mention later on anyway. Um, but uh, go on, Sean, um, elaborate. What, what do we mean uh, about it being the worst uh, between Max and, and, and Hamilton coming together? It, it was the worst because no matter who you support, you don't want to see anyone in the scenarios that either of them were put in, but I'm not assigning blame here. That's not what this point is about. I don't care who was to blame. The season's over. Everything happened as it did, but no matter who it is, you don't want to see anyone punted into a wall at 52 G. Equally, yeah. You don't want to see anyone get a tire to their helmet with or without halo. Um, and it, it, at, at times it was clumsy, um, almost embarrassingly clumsy by the quality of these drivers, a seven time champion and someone who's picked to break that record off him. Um, at times it was, I think, harsh but fair on both sides. I think both of them raced hard, um, but it started literally from race one. Lewis shoving Max wide in Bahrain. Not that, not that they touched, they didn't touch. We saw from there that this is a spark that's going to like ignite for the whole season, and it'll come to blows, especially. And I think we had to wait maybe a bit longer than we thought we might mm. for it to come to blows. But Jesus, when it came to blows. It, it blew up. Um, it didn't stop it either. <laughs> and then no. it didn't stop. Yeah, Britain happened and then literally hungry the next time out. Not that it was Lewis, but, you know, Max got skittled into by Bottas. And then, oh, Italy, obviously, it all went pear-shaped. And it was very dramatic. And Saudi Arabia and Brazil and Abu Dhabi. And, oh, it's, it's exciting to see two drivers so closely matched on talent even if their cars aren't technically matched, but the two of them were so massively outperforming their cars, the, the quality of the cars didn't matter. It was mm. just these two otherworldly talents. And both of them are, no matter who you support, both of them are, are like generational talents in Formula One. Yeah. Um, and to see them so close and racing so hard is what we want. It's Senna Prost again. It's 
it's Schumacher hacking it again. It's uh, Schumacher and Alonso again. But we don't want to see it go over the edge. And it went over the edge way too many times this season. And it it, it got like all credit to, uh, to the late Sid Watkins and all the work that he and all of his team did in making F1 as safe as it is. And yes, the halo. I know we're all well over that by now, but the idea that we ever thought that was a stupid idea uh-huh. is bizarre to me at the time uh, right now. And I was wondering, thought, this looks a bit stupid. Uh, it looks like a, a flip-flop um but <laughs> all, of, all of these things all of these additions are why neither lewis hamilton or max verstappen are previously injured this year because even five years ago max wouldn't have walked out of that crash in in in, in silverstone and lewis wouldn't have got out of the car in 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 italy it's so it, it it got way too out of hand and we don't want to see that again and i hope that next year they're, they're fighting close and they have a few more protagonists in there fighting with them but we 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 can't see stuff like that in in F one or any sport. It's 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 like Zidane headbutting the Italian guy. You don't want to see that. There's, there's no. it, it's it, it ruins the sport. Sometimes it's hard to avoid, but they need to just do a bit more. Both of them and F one in general to avoid incidents like that. It was too much. Coops, uh, obviously, Sean has, uh, has obviously told uh, given us his explanation on all that. Um, were at times. Uh, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton kind of going too far, uh, 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 over aggressive uh, driving. Uh, were they were they not no longer being aggressive? They were more being dangerous. Um, would would that tend to lean towards one of the other drive, one driver or the other driver, um, or were they both just as as bad as each other? It's no quarter given or taken, I suppose. Uh, there is a scene. Uh, but I can't remember it, so I kind of had to stop halfway through. <laughs> uh, you know, Hamilton had never faced a challenge like Verstappen this season. Uh, he was never going to get this kind of challenge from Bottas. And when he died, he went all proud of him. Uh, <laughs> you know, Versta- Verstappen <laughs> is the type of person. Yeah, you, you kind of knew then where Hamilton thought of Bottas in terms of whether he's a challenge or really, I'm really proud of him. He, you know, he battled me for half a lap. Like, mm, it's okay. yeah, chill, man. Chill. Take it easy, boss. Yeah. Uh, that was the race that you finished it with three tyres, pal. So let's just move on, shall we? Uh, you know, so with Verstappen, you know, Verstappen's an aggressive driver, but that's not a negative. It's just, yes, he he, he's a driver that, He's he's of the Ayrton Senna mould and not Ayrton Senna and Suzuka. We know there wasn't a gap. Uh, when there is a gap, he's putting the car there. Uh, we saw that in Abu Dhabi. He put it in. He got. He stayed within the track limits. He done the job. Uh, he done it in Saudi. I mean, there was clumsy moments. I think it's one of those situations like football is another sport. I tend to try and follow as much as you can as a commander supporter. But you know, yeah, uh, football. No, well, we just sat, we just sacked our manager, so there's another thing going on. But anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, you know, you see, you see it in football, you see it in Premier League, you see it in Scottish football, you see it in most football. You can get reckless tackles. They're, they look bad, and they look terrible. Sometimes you see the guy slipping over or falling about or whatever. Uh, in slow motion, it looks really bad. But it was never, there was never real. I don't think there was really intent to cause an issue. I think it was just. You had a hungry young Max Verstappen with his hand on the trophy. You had a guy who wants to break all records. And the only record that really hasn't broken yet is eight times champion that nobody's done before. So that and their competitors at the pinnacle of their careers. 
So you're going to get that. You're going to get moments like Brazil where, you know, Verstappen's pushing it out wide and probably going over the limits. Mm. The, the issue is about going over the limits. It's nothing to do with the drivers, but more about the inconsistency from the FIA, uh, which we will get to. That's just a consistent tease in this episode, isn't it? Uh, you know, so I wonder what number one will be. <laughs> I just wonder. You know, it's you know, I'd taken uh, you know every time you saw something, we all had an opinion. Some of us might have not have thought that Hamilton hitting Verstappen the way he did at Silverstone was quite as bad as it looked. Yes, it was a bad crash, fifty odd G. Uh, really did knock some sense through uh, Verstappen. Hamilton got penalised. Was it as bad? I don't know. Was the one in Italy where he had the car ended up over the top? Did for, should Verstappen have pulled out? You don't know. Like you say, there's no point in analysing it. It's done. But these are two people, two goliaths of our sport, fighting for the championship. Uh, so no, I don't blame them. It was never malicious. It was entertaining. It was fun. And the Netflix series is going to be entertaining. Uh, <laughs> well, right. there's, there's a lot of talking going on about that. I don't think it can be all put in half hour, but most people know it's dramatised. It's not quite... Except Saudi Arabia when they were in Nicholas Latifi's corner of the garage. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, that was that was an interesting choice, Latifi at Saudi Arabia. Uh, but yeah, it... it, it it gave us a season that we were interested to watch and it kept our attention. And every time they were next to each other, everybody, pundits, journalists, fans, were all like, oh, they're next to each other. Who's going to lose a wing? Who's, you know, it, something happened. I think it got, I think when it got clumsy and moved probably more to being just over the line was the whole of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. And I mean, that's not just about the track. I mean, you're talking about the brake check. And then, yes, it was a brake check. Uh, and you, you, the, the diving down one minute he was he was a hero for stopping because of that move down the inside to get up to first place and then he done the kind of brake checking and then the FIA inconsistently slipped in again and you know Hamilton should have got round him it just worked it just went messy and we didn't need it I suppose that's the only blip uh, out of the whole season if they can get rid of that next year and regulations are tightened up and made a bit less ambiguous ambiguous sorry then we should have a good season next year. But yeah, it was it got as close to the line without it being completely over the line. I think I think they had a couple of tires over. I think a couple of races could have got deleted for track limits, but not quite. Okay. Well, we had an email, and I want to touch on it because it was a good email. It was it was a criticism which we fully accept. Uh, we're happy to have it. Well, first of all, thank you very much for being a listener, Sander Aronsman. Thank you for send, sending us an email uh, about what you what your thoughts of the podcast. You did say, obviously, uh, we're a listener for us for a while, which is great. Um, but you did criticise us for saying that the Silverstone incident was probably less serious than the Saudi Grand Prix uh, incident. That uh, And it sounds like we're more fanboys uh, than journalists. Um, and I, I apologise if you think that. Um, Why? But, but both, both those incidents are completely different situations i think in from my opinion um i'm happy for hard racing to to occur uh, during any race of the season i'm happy for it to be from any driver of the season um, my only gripe is with the consistency uh, from the uh, of the penalties and how they're applied across the thing um i do feel that those two incidents were completely different though um and i think Max had gotten away with hard driving that was very similar to what Hamilton 
did on that turn uh, at Silverstone uh, without getting pe- penalised. And everyone was praising Max Verstappen about it. Um, but all of a sudden, the Max Verstappen fans were all het up when Lewis gave a bit back uh, to what Max Verstappen did, does normally. Um, uh, and, and, and that's why I, I think we probably acted differently or, or why we treated it differently because I, they are two completely different incidents. Um, but thank you very much for your comments. Um, I just wanted to respond to them um, in the best way I could uh, and via the podcast itself. Uh, but thank you very much for listening. We appreciate you what, what, what your was listening. The, uh, what was his issue again with regards to your comments? With, with uh, okay, well, here you go. When listening to the podcast following the Saudi GP, I, this, this is his direct quote, by the way. When listening to the podcast following the Saudi GP, I was baffled about the incensed reactions concerning Max's driving style. It was dangerous, putting people in harm's way, etc. Uh, now, I've been watching F1 ever since 1994, so maybe not as long as you guys, but I could not help but think to think of this uh, a bit different. Max's dangerous, over, uh, in inverted commas, dangerous overtakes are mostly in low speed corners going for sometimes very tiny gaps. When I heard these remarks, I backtracked to the year for one podcast made up after the Silverstone uh, and almost everyone was jolly happy and said this was bound to happen. So not Hamilton's fault, just another racing incident. Even the 10 second time penalty was found a bit harsh. So going inside a non-existent gap, not hitting the apex for at least one meter and hitting your opponent on the back wheel at 200 mile per hour is considered normal. That's what it, that's the, that's the statement that he made. Um, and as I say that, but I think there was, Ample room for two drivers to go through that corner at Silverstone. I, I think that's that, that's the that's the difference. Um, Sean, come on, carry on. Just in the interest of, I suppose, proving that we are by no means anyway biased to one driver or the other. I think we're all not so secret McLaren fans, but that doesn't apply here. Um, <laughs> I actually, I know you you thought that, that like Lewis kind of maybe the the, the result in, in Silverstone maybe the, the penalty wasn't or wasn't quite as bad as it maybe looked because of how dramatic the crash was I am firmly in the opinion that a bit a bit like he's I don't I'm sorry I missed his name um but that Lewis got it wrong in Silverstone and deserved a much harsher penalty than 10 seconds regardless of what the crash actually happened Lewis was sticking it up the inside not really up the inside down the middle of one of the fastest corners in Formula One uh, got it wrong, wasn't really even attempting to, to turn it off. And even if he was, he was never going to make it because he was going too fast and the car was understeering. He was always going to hit Max. Max at the corner. He didn't have to back out of it if he didn't want to. Mm. And they crashed. I think, yes, it was maybe more dramatic than anything we've seen any, anywhere else throughout the season because it was such a high-speed corner. But um, I obviously wasn't on that podcast because I, I would have been stayed firmly in the, the opposite camp that I thought Lewis was 100% at fault and deserved a much harsher penalty for that one. But then you see Max doing that all the time, put, he, putting it inside uh, inside the racing line and pushing him out wide. That, that was his signature towards the last three races of the, of the championship, trying to put, you know, not caring if he, if he came off because actually he had the most wins. So if, he, if, it, if they drew level on points, it wouldn't have mattered. Uh, Max is praised every day, every race for putting it on the inside and, and pushing them out wide. We know it's a racing move, uh, a racing manoeuvre. Uh, that's just what it's hard. It was hard racing, but in my mind, I think it was. Uh, but but then, then, then you've got like, especially like the, the first lap in Abu Dhabi, like he dove down twice, twice he pulled it off. But the first time <laughs> Lewis got away with running out wide. He braked late. He dived down late. He got the position. He stayed on track both times. If Daniel Ricciardo does that, he's praised as a superhero for sending it. Max Verstappen <laughs> does it, and he's a crazy lunatic. And how dare he break from a little bit further yet back? Coops, go on. Add add something to this. Yeah, it's a good discussion. Okay. It's a good discussion. <laughs> right. If if this gentleman, Sander, go, Sander, yes, hi. Thanks for all listening. 
Uh, you might not after what I'm going to say, but hey-ho. <laughs> uh, if you're accusing us of fanboying and you hear an opinion that you don't agree with concerning Max Verstappen and you go back to the only podcast where a major incident happened concerning Max Verstappen where he was the, he got the adverse effect of it and then you didn't like that opinion so we're, we're being accused of fanboying. Sounds a wee bit like you were fanboying and looking for an argument, to be all, in all honesty. Uh, the Verstappen against Hamilton happened over that whole weekend. Hamilton tried that corner at the sprint race, but around the outside didn't pass him, so he went to the inside. He didn't hit the apex quite the way he should have. He, he ran wide, he clipped him. It's a high-speed corner. He got punished for it. Whether it's, it should have got harsher punishment or much punishment or not, that's fine. Max Verstappen, and I think if I remember correctly, most of what the discussion was about Saudi Arabia it was in regards to the brake check and an acceleration zone at a, at a long straight in a track. Yeah. Uh, 2.7 G of deceleration. Regardless of who was in that car, we would have all said that was dangerous because that was dangerous. So, you know, I think you need to kind of pick your battles a wee bit, battles a wee bit better than that. We're not, we kind of pride ourselves in being quite, in, quite independent in terms of what we talk about. We try and be unbiased. If Ricardo and McLaren sends it, gets it wrong. We're telling them, we're, we're saying he gets it wrong. Just because of McLaren, we're not going to hide it. Uh, the the situation with a brake check at 2.4 G deceleration to cause an accident and then a situation where Max Verstappen ends in the barrier after uh, Lewis goes down the, down the inside are two totally different situations. We, 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 we talk about things and we, we are fans first and foremost. We're dipping our toes at the moment into the journalism uh, side of it, but we're still fans, and we we, we like to take an emotion and and it's part of it. Uh, so no, uh, we're not fanboys, uh, and no, I'm not going to go and look at a specific issue to try and score an argument to try and say that we are fanboys. Uh, and I think you need to look at things in a whole. So no, I disagree wholeheartedly. But thanks for listening. Okay, so we'll go back to the best. The next uh, best um, is number three, unexpected winners. Uh, we have Arcon, Danny Rick and Perez. Uh, unexpected winners, uh, unexpected one, two from McLaren. Um, it was just good to see a variety of people on the podium and, and of course, winning the races. Uh, Sean, you suggested this one. Uh, so we're going to go to you first. Yes, I did. And I'm very happy I did because this was one of my highlights of the whole season. Um, I just love to see more than one or two people winning a race. And in the past 15 years, we've had way too much of one or two people winning a race all mm -hmm. season. Um, obviously, notable outliers are 2010, 2012, 2012, especially that bizarre scenario with those Pirellis where we had seven winners in the first seven races yeah and we've had nothing of the sort ever since because Seb and Red Bull um, were dominating Fernando Alonso got his toe in there from time to time Lewis Hamilton and Jensen Button got their toe in there from time to time but it was Seb's domination and then come 2014 we saw nothing but uh, Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton and occasionally Daniel Ricciardo and that was it hmm until Max Verstappen came on the scene. Uh, and again, only got his toe in from time to time. This year, though, they, I, I was so happy with with, with the, the just the variations this year. Uh, and it kind of started a little bit last year. Perez got his win in, in Bahrain last year, which was fantastic. Um, 
But uh, this year, I think it was just that that little bit more. Obviously, we had the two teams competing, Red Bull and Mercedes, not just Mercedes versus Mercedes. So we were seeing different teams on the top step from time to, uh, more often, which is great. But having, you know, McLaren up there with the only ones through the season, I wonder what odds you'd have got on that in March. Um, <laughs> and if I if, if I could get my time machine working, my DeLorean's on the fritz at the moment, but when I get that up and running, that's the, the bet I'll be sticking on. Um, <laughs> And to see Esteban Ocon as well, everyone has their doubts about Esteban Ocon, which I think almost completely and only stems from Brazil, where he had that scuffle with Max Verstappen and people just can't get over that. Mm. Uh, Esteban Ocon is a damn good driver, definitely didn't deserve to be dropped for a year, uh, came back as if he hadn't been dropped for a year and has been very good this season and got a deserved win with a bit of help from his mate, uh, Fernando Alonso, putting on one of the drives of the season to hold off Lewis Hamilton. And we got a new winner, a new winner in Formula One. Last year, we got another new winner in Pierre Gasly. It's been fantastic. And can we and give an honourable mention to Gasly? Obviously, he didn't win, but he he was certainly the person that dragged the the, the Alpha Tauri team uh, to where it was in the championship, pretty much alone. For sure. And he did he did he did get on the podium in Baku. Yeah. Um. And he he's another shoot like a, another shout for for driver of the season because he's just his consistency toppled almost anyone except maybe Max this year um but uh yeah no having having so many different people and also just different people not even winners but different people on the podium obviously mm-hmm. we had both mclarens uh, uh norris had four podiums throughout the year and danny got his win uh alpine both alpine drivers got, got a podium it's great to see fernando alonso back up there i think we we're all happy to see fernando back up there um Alfatari got a got their podium with gasly aston got that actual podium in Azerbaijan with Seb and then had another one taken away from them. Williams got that podium. I'll put that one in air quotes in, in Belgium. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think it's, it's, it's good for the sport and, and, and sorry, just one final thing. Let's not forget. We should have had probably another different winner in Charles Leclerc in Monaco had he actually started. Yeah. Because I think if he had started that race with how good uh, Carlos Sainz was in Monaco, there's no way in hell he wouldn't have won that race. Mm. So honorable mention to, to Charles Leclerc as well. I think he 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 deserved to win this year and came agonizingly close to getting his he, he'll get one. He'll get it eventually. That'll be the next race he wins, I reckon. But uh that was that was it's good. It's good for Formula One. I hope to see a lot more of it next year. I hope next year is more like 2010, 2012. Coops, what have you got to add about all the variety that we saw kind of on the podium and on the top step? Just just one thing. Uh, I found out when I was doing some research for the podcast that uh, there was a rumour that Gasly's car was slightly heavier than Sonoda's, uh, but that's only because he was holding the weight of the full team in his shoulders. Hey, but a boom. How long have you been holding that one in? Uh, the minute you mentioned Gasly, I'm like, oh, I'm stop waving them like, crack, crack. Yeah, yeah, have a joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was our, that was our, yeah. our, our number three best of the season anyway. We just thought it was great to see, you know, the unexpected winners, uh, a nice variety on the podium. Uh, it was just just good for the sport in general uh, and good for those drivers to, to see them kind of give them that kind of taste, uh, hopefully, that we'll, they'll be able to take into next year and next season uh, and perform equally as, as, as well and maybe even more consistently uh, as well okay so in at number two for the worst uh, things that happened this season and this is gonna be a controversial one it's, no it's not it's not controversial actually mm. but it, it, it's very 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 prevalent uh, and that's the toxic fan base for either for either driver 
Um, Max Verstappen fanboys and Lewis Hamilton fanboys. Um, it's just so just tedious online at the moment. Uh, and it has been uh, at varying points throughout the season. Just because your driver doesn't do something uh, or does something uh, and, and it's, uh, is, you know, the victim of, of a move or a manoeuvre from the opposite uh, team doesn't mean that he's, you know, murdered their family or anything like that. It's 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 racing. We we want to see them racing. We want to see them at each other. Um, we don't need to be at each other in the comments uh, of of social media sections all over the world. It it, it just gets so tedious and and, and just clogs up everyone's news feed. Uh, and actually, Nicholas Latifi today has 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 finally kind of broken his silence after the incidents uh, in Abu Dhabi where he was obviously the person that, that caused the, 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 the safety car uh, and, and came out. And he's been targeted and blamed and, and sent kind of death threats to him, to his girlfriend. And this is, just shows the, this kind of toxicness, toxicity uh, of the fan base and, and what social media, the, the, the thing that social media is really bad for. Um, uh, and what we are saying is that you, the second worst part of this season was unfortunately the toxic fan base. Uh, Sean, I know you've probably got something to say about it. Yeah, I do. This 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 nearly brought me to tears. Actually, reading Nicholas Latifi's uh, post earlier on, um, I, I have nothing but respect for Nicholas Latifi. I've already given him huge praise this podcast. I I think he's a very good driver. I think he deserves to be in Formula One. Uh, I'm excited to see more from him when Williams give him a better car. Um, and seeing him and Albon next year, I think would be great. But some of the things he had to like, he 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 said he deleted Facebook, Instagram and Twitter because it's always Instagram and bloody Twitter, always, always, always. Just these keyboard warriors attacking him and his family. His girlfriend got death threats. But what I really don't understand about any of this is like the theory. Like his suggestion is that people were giving out to him for causing this, which then led to the stupid decision which Max then won the race from. So what? Red Bull paid him off, a Mercedes engine driver, to cause the crash so that Mercedes would... Like, give your heads a wobble. It makes no sense. To, to, to attack the lad for this is just disgraceful. It's pathetic. It's... it's it, it's small-minded, it, it's embarrassing, and anyone who should who even thinks to attack someone in that way needs to have their head checked, needs to be permanently removed from social media. Social media sites, and I think this is a whole topic in itself, need to do a hell of a lot more to police this. If they they could they could if you if you as two men put a picture up in your swimming shorts on, on the beach, they'll delete the post immediately because you showed a nipple. <laughs> but God forbid that you. But like, that's fine to to say to someone, "I'll effing kill you for causing that crash." And, and his girlfriend as well. She nothing to do with this. It's uh, it, madness. It, it, it infuriates me every single time. I felt so bad for the Tifi. Um, but to be perfectly honest, reading through the comments that he got on that post are at least a little bit heartwarming. That it is still a minority of people. They're an extremely loud minority, but they always are, aren't they? The minorities are always the loudest. They're always the people who scream the loudest because they're the people who feel like they need to be heard because they're small people who have nothing else going for them other than to yell at people through a keyboard. It's embarrassing. It needs to stop. 
I, I, I obviously I stand with Nicholas Latifi on this. I think it goes without saying that we all do on this. Yeah. And um, the comments are from like all the teams, other sports people, thousands of people commenting their support for him. And it, it needs to stop. Formula One, the, the the social media sites need to do a damn sight better at now. That this has to stop. We we see it in our comments. Obviously, we, you know we 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 have a lot of that sort of uh, in in fighting. Uh, from Max Verstappen fans and, and Lewis Hamilton fans and obviously the haters as well. It, it's not necessarily actually, it, it's it's quite strange, really. It's 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 not necessarily Max Verstappen fans that are Lewis Hamilton haters uh, and vice versa. There are people that are specifically Lewis Hamilton haters and they talk more about like Lewis Hamilton in negative terms than they do mm-hmm. in about the sport in general uh, in positive terms. Um, and, and the same could be said for for people that hate Max Verstappen as well. There are there are those people out there that specifically go on any post that has a slight mention of either driver's name, uh, and they'll they'll just attack and they'll put, post horrible memes and you know criticize and coops. What have you got to add? Well, are you ready? <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're not going to get a sugar coated coops here, I guess. No, not at all. No, <laughs> uh, this is the problem with social media. Now, everyone seems to think when you put something on Twitter that their opinion has to be listened to. You know, I'm one of the older guys in the Everything F1 team, you know, and back in my day, uh, before your social media, you could have an opinion. It just, if it was stupid, you just didn't listen to it. And But the problem is everybody thinks that they should be listened to. Uh, it is the most that Latifi's name should have been brought into this situation is when you're sitting with your pal at the pub or your mate or you're talking to him and all oh, that bloody Latifi, imagine him crashing the car when he crashed it. And that's the end of it. That's it. He crashed his car at that moment. He didn't phone Massey and make the decision to do what he did with the safety car. He didn't decide to bring Verstappen into the pit so he was on the better tyre. You know, he didn't decide to make Massey interpret the rules the way that he did. So leave the guy alone, you a bunch of Muppets. Now, to kind of put it into our side of it from everything F1, there was three posts that were put up over the course of the weekend from the fallout from Abu Dhabi. One concerning Max Verstappen, one concerning Lewis Hamilton, and another one concerning the new president of the FIA. And they are the most... I've spent more time policing those three posts than I have any other all season. The one with uh, Lewis Hamilton, he's now a sir. And the stuff that I, I, I think our ban list has doubled uh, with the amount of things that have come on. Uh, Max it's Verstappen, so, so pathetic. It is it's so pathetic. Just, uh, Max Verstappen uh, has decided he's going to race with the number one. And so many things are on there saying that he's a cheat. It's a tainted championship. He's an arrogant person, blah, blah, blah. See, before they got their own numbers, you were duty-bound to race with number one. I watched Formula One when there wasn't number one. It was zero two 2 because the champion left, so you couldn't do it. Mm. Your number was given to you by the way that the constructor, I can't remember how it was decided, whether it was a constructor thing or not, I can't remember. Uh, it's only been in a few years you get your own number. Lewis Hamilton chose not to race with number one doesn't mean that Max Verstappen is arrogant because he chooses to use it. Uh, and it's the same it's their right. It's their right as the winner of the, the previous the, championship. It's, it's, it's in the rules. And it's one of the rare rules in Formula One. It's not ambiguous. It's pretty clear. Yeah. You win the World <laughs> Drivers' Champion, you can choose to race with number one or use your number. 
Lewis Hamilton, for whatever superstitious reasons, he only ever put it on. I Marketing, think. I, I'd yeah. say. Marketing, yeah. <laughs> probably. <laughs> for, for, probably for about part on that. I'm not going to say any superstitious. I think it's marketing. It's all holy. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I can Lewis sell Hamilton, it, It's a brand for him, yeah. So, you know, uh, Max Verstappen wants to race. He's the first ever Dutch Formula One world champion. He has got every single right, regardless of what you think, to race with number one. And you know what? Enjoy it. I'm going to quite like the fact I'm going to see a number one race in next season. It's yeah. back to the old days when I used to watch it. Going on to the other ones, where you've got Lewis Hamilton gets a knighthood and he goes and gets his knighthood with his mum. I've, I've read posts where, oh, look, you know, he doesn't talk about his white mum or that he's kneeling to a white man or whatever it is that they, whatever bile they spew. Do you know what? I've banned him. I don't. I just, I don't, it's not a second thought. I read it, I ban them. It's done. We're here to enjoy a sport. We're here to have healthy and fun debate. We've done it. We've disagreed on the podcast. We've we've laughed on the podcast. We've got upset watching it, especially with Grosjean got into a fiery accident. We're passionate, but we're not full of hate and there's no need for it. And we there certainly even, won't be any space for it on our, on our platforms. No, I mean, we will cut that's, it out just, if we see it. That's what we're just going to say. I mean, we we modelled what uh, our everything F one logo after the We Races One uh, uh, initiative, and we even put on an LGBT uh, uh, colours, and we got hate for that. Uh, they got banned very quickly, <laughs> but we got hate for it. And uh, anyone who wants to hate us for that, carry on because we don't listen to you. Well, let's move on then to the number two best thing. Uh, that we enjoyed from this season. And that was the battle between Mercedes and Red Bull. Uh, the fact that we had two constructors battling for the constructors title all the way till the last race. And obviously two drivers battling out for the drivers championship again, all the way to the end. Uh, Sean, can you kind of summarize your thoughts on this see this fantastic season that we've had uh, between Mercedes and Red Bull? That depends entirely on what you mean by summarize. <laughs> uh, keep keep it short. No, this this was a phenomenal season. Like all the negatives we said, let's just push them all to the side. Mm. We put them. We, we we've stated all that the, the crashes stuff like that. Everything aside, this was a brilliant, brilliant season of Formula One for the the, the intrigue of the championship. Um, it's comfortably the best championship we've had since 2016. Yeah. If you want to go even further than that, it's even more comfortably the best championship we've had since 2012 because it's the first time we've had two teams in it to the end. Uh-huh. Anytime, anytime Ferrari and Seb put up a challenge to Mercedes, they fell away and Lewis won it four or five races early. It's, it's, the, it's the first time since Rosberg left that the championship's gone down to the wire. And like I said, it's the first time since 2012 that it was two teams in it to the wire. And it's what we need. It's what we want. It's what we're here for. Um, and again, like the last the last 10, 15 years have been an anomaly in that sense because F1 has almost always been that. It's yes, there's periods of dominance and one team does better than everyone else, but it usually only lasts for a season or two, not mm. eight. <laughs> not and, or twelve if you want to include Red Bull in that as well. So we we needed this. Would I like to be someone other than Red Bull getting back up there? Yes. I maybe have preferred it to be McLaren or Ferrari as like a, a new face, but like a new old face. But having two, two teams fighting it out and 
even even the intrigue of well, yes, okay, we've got the the two protagonists up at the top, but which of their backup is going to perform best this 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 week? Yeah, you know, Perez started really strong, like he was there to pick up the pieces in Baku, exactly what he was hired for, which allegedly Albon and uh, Gasly weren't doing. Now, for the rest of the season, I don't know that Perez performed any better or any worse than Albon or Gasly would have done in the same car. But then you turn around to, to Bottas and think, hey, where, where's he? Like, yeah. He had that, what, one one kind of glimpse of fire when he signed that Alpha t- contract where you think, will you stick a Euro on, on Bottas to be champion? He's just, <laughs> Bottas, Bottas 3.0, he's, he's having the extra porridge now. And that faded away quicker than it started. Um, I think we almost put him on a on a, on a worse list of just disappointments this year, unfortunately. <laughs> um, he's always there thereabouts in, in qualifying, except this year he sort of wasn't. But it, it it just added to the intrigue of you've got these two fighter pilots, you've got Maverick and and Iceman, and who who are their goose behind them, and how are they going to back them up? I just had to get a Top Gun reference in there somewhere. <laughs> um, I've been waiting for the sequel for forever, um, but it, it was brilliant. And I, I sincerely hope we get that more. Like, I, I hope we don't go back to the days where it's just one team, an inter-team battle. I want Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, McLaren. I'll happily take Alpine and Aston and Williams up there as well. We yes, need please. Formula One to be, and, and that's, that's presumably what these new cars, what these new rules are designed to do. And let's just hope it works because this was a really good appetizer and I really hope that next year we get two, three, four, five teams all in the fight right the way to the end because that's what Formula One should be. We don't want Formula One and Formula 1.5. No. I, I'm going to stick my neck out and say this is my favourite season since 2008. No, 2009, sorry. 2009. 2009. Jensen yeah. Button. Sorry, I got the wrong one. Because yeah. that, that was, you know, a brilliant kind of zero to hero type uh, season. Um, you know, it's great to see. Yeah. Um, entertaining. Coops. Tell us what you think, what you thought about the Red Bull uh, Mercedes battle this year. Was it the best season you've seen since two thousand and nine, or two thousand and twelve, like Sean likes, or something else? No, well, I've been watching Formula One since about nineteen ninety. So yeah, but you're old. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. So <laughs> yes, you know there was that five year period, five six year period where Schumacher won everything. You know, so Formula One for me was on in the background. You know. You know, when the two Ferraris turn up and they're a second ahead of everybody else, you can know, right, okay. Uh, and then you had the hacking in two years and stuff like that. So, but yeah, this is a season where, like, I keep saying it, we had the French Grand Prix that was interesting. It's <laughs> uh, uh, your favourite. That's that's going to be your your. Uh, that's uh, your uh, number one moment uh, of the season. Uh, <laughs> that's that's <laughs> your new catchphrase. That keeps his catchphrase. Here lies Jimmy Cooper. Here lies Jimmy Cooper. Yeah, the French Grand Prix was interesting. Uh, (laughs) It's like (laughs) the last time we had the race in France, the highlights were seven minutes long and they showed everybody's pit stop and film. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) when you move over to this one, we were actually sitting there just seats going, go on, Jimmy. And it came. it, what it did for me was, it, re, it like I, I can't remember how far into the season it was, and we were kind of like we were like like this can't this can't be happening. This is good. They're still here. Wait a minute, Verstappen's car's not breaking down. Wait, wait whoa, hold on, it's a Honda that's in that, right? And then <laughs> then you go to a Paul Ricard, and I listened to a couple of other podcasts, uh, and 
they're all saying this is a Mercedes track and this is going to happen. And then Verstappen comes out the pits and hunts that Mercedes down, passes them, takes the win. At that point, I'm going, oh, 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 oh hold on here. Uh, and yes, I did speak very Scottish when I said that at the time, <laughs> sir. Uh, you uh, wouldn't have understood a word of it. <laughs> let's, no. just, let's just say good, that. Good team, good team battle race as well. Perez and Bottas were in the mix and that as well. Yes, it was. Like, it just it just had everything, and it was just it was all there. You know, it was probably one of the rare times that Bottas was in amongst the top of them. But you yeah. know, uh, and that that for me it just got me thinking. Right, hold on. If we can actually have a race at Paul Ricard, then this season is going to be a season. And the amount of times I've sat watching it uh, with people who aren't Formula One fans, and even they've went, "Oh, what's just happened?" You know, or they've, they've hit each other. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> that was the theme of the year. Yeah, that happened, and, and it's 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 just to be nuances like the whole the the Italy one when you had an, uh, the crash with Hamilton and Verstappen when you had the the car on top of each other. Like, if there wasn't a slow pit stop, and if it wasn't just that tiny wee half a second here and this bit here, this that wouldn't have happened. If it wasn't for this, if it wasn't for that, and I know everything's about millimeters and nuances and uh, coincidences. There were so many of them over the year. You had the whole thing about the regulations at the start of the season. Then the next thing, the fragility of the Mercedes engine. And then the next thing you had Honda, are they using special wings? Are Mercedes using special wings? Or, you know, and even the, last, <laughs> you know, even the last race of the season, Ted Kravitz has came out during his notebook at Abu Dhabi and said there was a rumour going around that Perez's car was underfueled. Yeah, even though, yeah. And, uh, you know. They were playing the games right. It was brilliant. It's amazing. And I think this is where, you know, we get to the number one worst thing. And I don't think it's going to be much of a surprise what we're going to talk about. <laughs> but I think this is where everybody's anger stems from. Now, no one is talking about the season as much as we should do. We're all talking about the end and the four hours of waiting to see who's a champion. We're all waiting. We should never have had. It was the worst case scenario for the FIA. I'm not surprised it happened with everything that happened throughout the season because you couldn't write it. But it should just, it's just, you know, it was it was just, it angered everybody because we had such a good season and nobody's talking about it. Everyone's talking about rules and should Massey be sacked and they need to do this and they need to sort this out. And we're like, did you? And, you know, Max Verstappen's championship was given to him. It was paid off. It's not a real champion. He's not a winner. Like, no, he is. And Mercedes have said he is, and he deserves him one, and his stats show that for this season. It's disappointing, but oh, it was just, it's great. The problem is we're spoiled, because next year is not going to live up to the hype. It's just not going to happen. You don't um, know that. You don't oh, know that. Ooh, yeah, that's well, a speculation. It's not a speculation, because the thing about it is, everyone's expecting these new rules to be amazing and brilliant. They're going to take a couple of years to bed in. Next year isn't going to be as great a season, and the, the rules aren't going to bring them as close as we'd hope, because... You know, there's the bedding in period. The year after, I think 2023, you know, 24, 25. And then, of course, with the new engines from 26 onwards. I think after that, I think next year's not going to be quite as good. And then after that, we're going to start seeing some a lot closer racing. But there's so many things we can talk about about the season. It was amazing. Uh, the, the Horner-Wolf subplot was brilliant. That was going to get. That was going to be the honourable mention. So we may as well. We may as well talk about that. Was that? We we didn't know where to put that. Did we put it in the the worst of the season, or did we put it in the best of the season? Because it's been 
quite entertaining to watch this this uh, Horner and a wolf battle uh, of, of words. Uh, but it was sometimes it was quite cringy as well, wasn't it? It was quite. I think it was quite David Brent in the office type, type situation. I think um, to be to 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 kind of jump in. I think the best way to describe it is there's two ways to put it. You can put it as the subplot in a film that's not really needed. That's entertaining <laughs> anyway. It's just yeah. there. Like, oh, the the C plot. Yeah, it's just oh, I forgot <laughs> they two had a thing. All right, okay. The other thing you can put it at it's the plumber's cleavage when he bends down to fix the pipe. As the cleavage pops up the top of the jeans because plumbers don't know how to wear belts. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you don't, you, you don't want to look at it, but you kind of have to look at it because it's there, uh, and it really annoys you that you are looking at it. Uh, it's, it's like it's there. We don't want to see it, and we'd wish you'd shut up, but please don't shut up because we actually <laughs> kind of, we kind of car crash guiltily, TV. Yeah, we kind of guiltily like it. Uh, it's the closest I'm ever going to get to relating to the people that watch Love Island. Uh, <laughs> I don't understand why you like that program. But yeah, it was a bit car crash. And probably closer to the end of the season, we were kind of in general, for me anyway, I was kind of like going to get Sick a bye, we're done now. Uh, but it was fun. It was good because the drivers aren't going to get like They were very professional and very respectful of each other, more or yeah, less. Most of the time. Yeah, there was, there was the odd couple jits, of Yeah, a couple jits, of wee, But wee nothing. Pigs. Yeah, nothing Max too was, kind of close to the bone. Max Verstappen knew he was never going to get the mind games over Hamilton because I mean he survived the Hamilton Rosberg Peter. Come on, so <laughs> he's not going to get past that. So it's left. Leave it to Total Wolf and Horner because Horner does like to have a wee whinge. Horner does like to get snappy. We all seen Drive to Survive with Cyril Abitable. Uh, it was fun. <laughs> it was fun watching that. It's fun watching this. I, it it just about stayed on the right side of not overtaking it. It was almost got there. I think if it had got, if there was a couple more races, I think we could have got to a point where we're like, "Gonna just shut up." But it, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm still pushing. Mm. I'm still pushing for the charity uh, boxing match. I think that would be uh, a, a great you, kind of. Have you I seen think, uh, how Total hits a desk? That's a one punch <laughs> yeah. knockout. I don't know. Christian, Christian Horner's foot's been wobbling so long. He's got some power in that left foot. <laughs> oh, we oh, we're talking USC. We're talking yeah. USC here. Yeah. yeah. I, I just say though, just as a tease for this episode, it's got to just be the the plumber crack because <laughs> everyone's going to want to listen to what that relates to. <laughs> just completely out of context. Coop's talking about plumbers. Um, I think uh, just just from my two cents on it, it was um, it was interesting to see. Uh, it was like Drive to Survive without Drive to Survive needing to be there. It was an insight into the characters of Formula One. I think we're all used to Christian Horner. He's he's a bit, he's not a bit, he's snide, he's a bit cocky, he's more than passive aggressive, but he's never aggressive. Toto Wolf was fit to blow the place up at times. I didn't like that. I think <laughs> Horner's approach is maybe a bit more enjoyable because you think, oh, did he just say that? Is he going to get away with saying that? Whereas Toto Wolf just goes, more Bose headsets and just yeah. smashes them on the ground. <laughs> hey, it's a good Two, advert for them, isn't it? Yeah, you know, very good advert for them. They're very strong. Yeah. Very strong, reliable headsets for Bose. But uh, no, I think, Bose, I think you're if you're right, listening, uh, we wouldn't mind a, a few sets yeah. sent our way. <laughs> we'll try them out. By, by, the, by the end, I think you're right. It was getting almost cartoonishly over the top. Like Toto going, no, Michael, no, this is not right. No, no, it was. But even Toto himself, I think it was yesterday, the day before, came out and go, yeah, we took that too far. I don't think we should have contact with the FIA anymore we're like yeah 
I think the FIA are going. <laughs> yep. I think that, like, do you know what, Toto? That's a great idea. I'll, I'll cut that line off for next year. Yeah. Well, that's they meant- already said they will do, which is a good thing, I think. Yeah, well, that leads perfectly on then to the worst thing about the, the Formula One season this year. Uh, and we have kind of hinted towards it throughout the whole of the podcast. And that is the FIA inconsistencies. And of course, that last lap debacle uh, for the last lap at the last race at the uh, of the whole season um and decisions the fia need to pull their bloody finger out i'm telling you uh they've made some real corkers this year and they've been so inconsistent from race to race it's just been terrible to kind of witness really um it's kind of like all these things have been put into place over the years by a great team um and then they've kind of slowly kind of let the wrapping kind of come undone and it's just gotten worse and worse and worse culminating in that absolutely terrible decision or I'm going to say, I don't want to say, I don't want to sound like a, a, a Lewis Hamilton fanboy, um, but that, that last lap decision was, was just, it was the wrong thing, wasn't it? It, it was, it didn't even fit in with any, any rule book that's, that's ever been written. Um, mm. So it's, it, it's got to, got to change. There's got to be some kind of process put in place um, let's go to let's go to Coops first for this one. Uh, but FIA inconsistencies and, and the last lap debacle. What, what have you got to say about that? Uh, they were inconsistent and they need to be consistent. Uh, yeah, I mean, start of the season, Lando Norris gets punished because he put somebody wide and they spun. Later on in the season, Max Verstappen put somebody wide and they turn around and say it's racing. They then have a meeting at the next race. This is after Brazil. So they go to the next race, they have a meeting. The drivers all say to them, the FIA, Massey, whoever else was there, right, what's the script? They come out and go, still no any clearer. Mm. Uh, the problem is that not just Massey, now a lot of people have heaped things on Massey. I'll come to him in a minute. But a lot of the issues are, it looked a lot like from outside in, that the FIA, the steward and Massey in general, the whole situation, they lost control. And you lose control by being inconsistent. Again, I'll go back to the football analogy. When you get a game that's getting a bit testy, there's a few clips of the heels and stuff like that, and you know pretty soon just by watching it, you know, that referee's losing control of this. This is going to get nasty. This is going to get ugly. And this was the FIA's version of it. There was inconsistent calls where it was, you know, a driver on the outside has to be given a, 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 a car's width. Norris is like, where else am I supposed to go? Then the next thing, a driver gets pushed out. Oh, it's racing. All right, can we all do it? No, no, no. What do you mean, no? Wait, uh, you know, it was the it. It just it just the the whole last lap thing. Uh, the only good to come of it is that the last lap thing. Now, if this happened in the middle of the season, we wouldn't be still talking about it. We just we would probably talk about it for the podcast. It would be forgotten about because it was the last lap of the last race of the season, uh, and it was to settle the championship, we're talking about it. Now, that's, an only, that's a positive because uh, within two or three days of that happening, a presentation was put to the World Motorsport Council to say, no, this has tarnished our reputation. This has tarnished the reputation of Formula One. It's the biggest moneymaker for the FIA. It's the, their main kind of you know sport. Uh, so they're going to investigate it. They're going to look at it. The problem is the wording of that statement uh, to clear up any misunderstandings of what happened. So now, is the FIA trying to say that we're not good enough to understand what you did? And also as a clarification exercise. So they're going to come out and say, well, actually, the rules say this. 
the biggest problem we have is Massey. Massey's intentions were good. Regardless of what Andy says, he wasn't paid to make sure that Verstappen won it. He wasn't paid to make sure it looked good for Netflix's drive to survive. That's that's by that's by the by. For a season to be so dramatic to end under the safety car is such an anticlimax. It's unreal, and people would probably still say the same thing. Probably was, people would still be turning around and going, "This that was such an anticlimax for a good season. You need to change the rules." Massey could have cleared that away and let the race for one more lap. Now the same people that shout that if it finished under the safety car are doing the shouting now about the fact that he did let it happen for one race. The biggest issue for why Massey did what he did, from what I can see, is. The rules are written purposefully ambiguous. So we've got, what, 10, 11 people in our team and everything F1. If we were to give the, a certain rules to them all, guarantee you five of us would probably be pretty much on the same page. Two or three of us would, two or three of the team would probably be way out there and, and say that, and one or two would be slightly different, but not too far away from the rest of the majority. None of them are wrong because it's interpretations of the rules. That is the biggest problem. He didn't break any rules. So that's it. He didn't, he just, he, he used he used the rules to fit the situation. And the FIA have written them in such a way that they can be adjusted, but they're too ambiguous. They're just too not right for the situation. Nobody would have thought Latifi was going to bin it with five laps to go in this race. He did. And the rules were done in such a way as he even came out and said, because they wanted to go racing. We wanted a last lap race. Fine. Red flag it. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it necessitated a red flag. Uh, I think Massey thought he could manage it and get it back racing quicker if he'd just done what he did. Uh, so the FIA need to look at their own rules. There's regulation after regulation. At the last podcast, it was 48.12 was one regulation, which is superseded by 48.13, which is then superseded by 15.3e. Now, you can see the problem. I'm not even going into what they are, but that's the problem. One supersedes the other, which supersedes the other. Uh, and it just leads to a mess. Uh, and it's not needed. It's not required. There should be a clear, defined rule. They're doing it already with the track limits. Every single race you go to next year, the white lines are your track limits at every single track. None of these directors know it's so this track and this bit, this bit. You, all four wheels go over the white, li the white lines, your lap's del deleted. You do it too many times, you're getting a punishment. If you can do it for that, you can do it for most everything else. Now, there has to be scope because it's such a big thing and things can happen and situations can happen as we've seen over the, the times we've watched Formula One. So there has to be a scope for a wee bit of ambiguity so that you can mould a rule to deal with a situation because some situations won't have a rule. And people mm. will look over the rule and go, oh no, we've never ever thought of that. There's nothing in the rule to deal with it. Partly the reason why Mercedes have also withdrawn their appeal. Because the, the, the passing under the safety car was the only thing that would have changed the result in the rule book. There was no mechanism to change the result the only thing that would have happened was the race could have got null and void, which would have meant Verstappen's winning the championship anyway. The, you know, the FIA just need to sort themselves out. They're self-governed. Maybe in, maybe they need to bring out some sort of independent adjudicator, adjudicator for certain issues. The FIA were never going to go against themselves. No organisation does that. But this is, this is where the problem is. This is where the problem lies, you know. And this is where 
when Mercedes released a statement saying that they're going to withdraw because they're going to have there's going to be an independent well not an independent but there's going to be a, a review of the process. But they've also come out and said that we will hold the FIA accountable. So if things come out and they say if FIA come out and say we're going to do this this, Mercedes will come out and they will say that's not good enough and they will make a lot of noise. This is not going away. Not at all. You know, Total Wolf was very angry to the point where he put on his best Bond villain outfit when he was doing the <laughs> video. You know, uh, it, so it's it tarnished a very, very good season. And I think and these things need to be done. I think the whole situation with the safety car needs to clear up. Something needs to be tightened up in the rule. And, you know, and it just very clearly stated. So if a race ends in the, under the safety car, it ends under the safety car. The chances of it happening on a title decider again is probably not going to be anytime soon anyway. But and the ambiguity of the whole situation really needs sorted. Sean, anything to add from the inconsistencies of the FIA? Yeah, I mean, Coops Fair Play, I think you summed it all up very, very well. I, I won't go into my, like my thoughts on the, the, the decisions or anything like that. I think that's just been talked to death at this point. Um when it comes to the inconsistencies, though, I mean like just just the, like you said, like the rulings on what is and isn't illegal. So, like in Bahrain, Max overtakes what was it, turn four, uh, gets a gets squeezed, no two ways about it. Lewis oversteered wide and squeezed Max out onto the runoff area. Max overtook off the track and was told immediately, well, not immediately, like a lap and a half later to give the place back. And then 22 races later, they still haven't got their shit together. Lewis overtake well keeps the position by going wide and they go it's all right he gave he gave the the advantage back like he didn't though he stormed off into the distance they had twenty two <laughs> races to sort that out and it just shows that it wasn't a one off it wasn't oh they're just betting into the season it was idiocy from race one in March to race twenty two in what was it December um and it it it's just oh it's very annoying like there was just and not even like the 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 overtakes forever like that. But again, again, like the the track limits. How is it that they need to at last for next season input something in writing in the rules that the white line is the track? Why have there been white lines on tracks up to now if the white line isn't the damn track? <laughs> What's the point? And it's it's not even that the white line isn't the track. It's the white line is the track for most of the track, except at like these three corners where the drivers are going wide anyway. So we'll just allow it. And that that's that's been what it is. That's the reasoning for it. Oh, well, they're gonna go wide there anyway. So we'll let them. It's like, yeah, but if you don't let them, they're not gonna go wide there. If you punish them for going wide there, they'll find a new line. They're all gonna bitch and moan about it. Oh, but we, we need that line. Like turn 19 in in uh what was it, Coda? That that's a ridiculously wide line, and they all take the piss with it by going ridiculously wide. It's the same with turn seven in, in Austria. They take the pace going really, turn six in Austria, they take the pace going really wide in it. In Austria, they tried those stupid sausage curves rather than just saying the white line is the track limit, lads. They put the sausage curves out there and they said, well, you can go out to the sausage curves and you'll break your car. You don't need to do that. Just make the white line the limit and they'll slow down. If it means if it means they lose half a second versus last, last year's lap, so be it. Who cares? Yeah. That's just another challenge for them. They're the 20, 20 best drivers on the planet, allegedly. 19 best drivers on the planet. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was just waiting for that. Um, and, and, you know, it's their job to drive a fast car in the confines of racetrack. 
you don't need a sausage curve. You don't need to only apply that to tracks where, or only not apply that to tracks where there's walls because, ah, well, screw it. They'll smash it in the wall. Yeah, of course they will. I mean, like Monaco, there's no question because it just smash it in the wall. But you can't put walls on the side of every single track. Imagine if Spa was walled off with concrete. Mm. We'd have deaths every year at Spa. It's just the white line is the limit. And how they've had to finally, after 22 races of changing the rules, put that in the rules is just, it, it baffles me. But I think what it really comes down to is, and so I think someone put this really well. I think it was Martin Brundle or someone like that put it really well. Charlie Whiting was this role. He basically invented this role of race director and supreme overlord of Formula One rules and regulations and governing in each race. Mm. Expecting someone to replace him is like expecting, I don't, I don't even have a good example for that. It, no one was going to be able to replace him. Do you know? It, no. it, it's it's just it's just not possible. It, quite honestly, it's like expecting anyone to like for like replace Lewis Hamilton. No one's going to be able to yeah. like for like replace Lewis Hamilton. People will win races. People will win championships. But no one's going to replace Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton sure as hell didn't replace Michael Schumacher. He matched his record. But he wasn't a replacement for them. And neither of them were a replacement for Ayrton Senna. Neither of them did for the sport what Ayrton Senna did for the sport. Nobody was going to replace Charlie Whiting and Michael Massey was kind of forced to. He was given, like, Charlie Charlie Whiting wore all the hats because when he first took over, he had to wear all the hats and he just got used to it. So by 30 years later, he had all the hats on without realizing he had all the hats on. Michael Massey comes in with next to no experience of that and says, here's Charlie Whiting's cupboard of hats there. Pop them all on, make go to work. He's fallen over left, right and center because he can't handle mm-hmm. it. And he shouldn't have to he shouldn't have had to be expected to handle it all it's way too much charlie whiting was a superhero for how he did it michael massey is not charlie whiting that's not a slight on michael massey michael massey is a very smart man he seems to be actually a very nice man he is doing his job within the letter of the law as he sees correct and as coops rightly said by the rules of the 2021 formula one season he didn't break any of them as simple as that he didn't break a rule in abu dhabi is that right or wrong? It's not for me to say. Are the rules going to change after that? Yeah, probably. If he did it again next year, he might be breaking the rule. But he didn't this year. He did what was in the rules. He needs help. A lot, a lot of help. There needs to be four or five or six or seven different people handling different variations of things. Because whether it's incidents or track limits or stuff like that, it's even just the reaction times are too slow. And whether that's Massey or the stewards or something else, like if a crash happens... If a crash happens and debris is on the track, safety car, red flag it instantly. You shouldn't need to wait two laps. If there's a wing and a car slammed in the middle of the track, you shouldn't need to wait two more laps to think, oh, maybe we need to clean that up, lad. Burn, burn. <laughs> Off you go there, mate. Go to work. Yeah, I know you've put the coffee down, mate. You need to go to work now. It's been two laps. That's that's not good enough. And that I will put on Michael Massey and his team. That's not good enough. They are way too slow to react to incidents. Yellow flags don't come out quick enough. Safety cars don't come out quick enough. Incidents are happening and there's debris on the track and people are picking up punctures because their reaction times are pitiful. And that needs, and it's not like they don't have the technology. They can delete a lap time instantly without even having it to go to the stewards if someone goes beyond the track limits. They have the technology. They have all the resources in the world. And yet they wait two, three, four laps to send a safety car out when someone's stuck in the middle of the track. It's, it's, it's not good enough. And for me, that's the biggest thing that needs to change. Remember about the rules and inconsistencies on, on incidents and accidents. It's, the, yeah. it, 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 it's their, their just 
lackadaisical reactions to sometimes really bad incidents. It doesn't matter if it's a race or practice or anything like that. That needs to be the first, to me, that needs to be the first thing they address. I know they've already done the track limits. Okay, that needs to be the next thing they address because it's not good enough. So at some point, their slowness is going to cause a huge accident. And how it hasn't happened already, I think just touch wood that it hasn't happened already, that a, a stricken car hasn't been slammed into because they didn't send the damn safety car out quick enough. Well, I think we've touched on that quite well. I think we've uh, elaborated uh, on on that worst of the season. Uh, the FIA needs to pull their finger out and do it sharpish. Now, let's go to our number one best thing of the season. And it's going to be Max Verstappen's championship win. It, we've got to talk about it and it's got to be there because, you know, it's a, it's a new winner. Uh, a new winner for the championship. Uh, and he performed brilliantly. He had some great statistics. Um, and yeah, we, <laughs> what, what can we say? Coops? We can't really say much, much else than that. Really? He was, he, he just, he, he put it into a, a different gear this year. Um, he was consistent. He was more mature um, from what we've seen. Uh, Red Bull became more reliable uh, they didn't have any of the you know failures uh, engine failures that they have uh, thanks to honda um putting a really good kind of show this year uh it all came together for for max uh, and obviously he did have that bit of luck at the end it's uh, i mean the stats just show this season was a championship winning season for max uh, regardless of the haters regardless of how it ended up at the end i mean for most of that race it was Hamilton's, and uh, a decision changed that round. But you know what? The Red Bull were put in the position where they could have themselves, uh, you know, a free pit stop to put the tyres on. Could he have passed those five back markers? Those five back markers were probably going to get themselves off the track to allow him to race and win it. So, you know, anyway, the, the last lap, we kind of need to put that to bed. Let FIA do their thing. They'll get called out. Max Verstappen, I think we touched on it before we recorded, the lowest he finished was ninth. Outside of the, the couple of DNFs, it was either first or second. You can't really see much else. I mean... That's, that's the consistency that, needed that's, that's, to, be, that, to be a world champion. Yeah, and, he, and, is, and regardless of whether you think he's arrogant, whether you think he's dangerous, he's not a dangerous driver. He had a couple of moments where you could be like, oh, Max, come on, Paul, chill. Uh, he's been a lot better. We've noticed a bit of maturity. I think uh, the Sakir race where uh, Perez won his first race, uh, where he actually pulled out with three cards going wide. And, you know, you looked at that in a couple of years before Max Verstappen's sticking that nose in there and then he's just going to go, it's not my fault, they should go out the road. But he pulled it out. He still got caught up in it, but he pulled himself, he got himself away and you could see that maturity building. And then the whole, the whole year, up until probably Saudi Arabia was the only race where you thought, all the pressure's getting to you. But beforehand, you know, he was like, yeah, it's fine. You know, I'm good on it. I mean, I don't believe that, I don't believe him when he said that winning the World Championship isn't going to change him. Uh, <laughs> that's just that's just rubbish. Uh, absolute bull. But uh, I got why he was saying it. I think he probably said it more to believe himself because he's like, look, I'm not a champion. So, you know, let me just... You know, he, you know, he's proud of it. The fact he's got his number one in his car for next year, you know, go ahead, get on your cell, do it, enjoy yeah. it. And be, you know, uh, Red Bull have been there or thereabouts for a number of years. They had the bad, they had the bad run with Renault. Uh, Honda, they, they were patient. They'd done exactly what McLaren should have done, just allowed them to get on with it. And then look at this, the last year of Honda being there uh, and they've got themselves a championship. Uh, 
which is amazing. And they've got a great foundation for moving forward. But Max Verstappen, yep, if he keeps this going and things work well, uh, then you know what? He's going to get himself a good couple more champions. I don't think MD's going to get anywhere near seven for a few years, uh, probably a generation, I think. But I think he can get three or four at least. Uh, and, you know, kudos to the whole team, whether you like them or not. It was amazing. Some of the drives, some of the things he did, uh, it was very much, uh, it was very much like you know Hamilton. A lot of the times, you never really saw him. He was up the front, got on with it, done his thing. Uh, but what I will say though is that qualifying lap in Abu Dhabi. I mean, wow. I mean, that is that was a lap for the, that's a lap for the gods. That you know, regardless of say the the Perez diving down, giving him the the the, the draft. Uh, that's just uh, it was good and. Uh, anyone who followed us on the live watch, you know, I, you know the live watch along of the race, see me jumping around and celebrating and applauding Verstappen winning. Now, I'm not a Verstappen fan. My son is. Uh, he was jumping around and loving it. But I was just celebrating the fact that someone new has won it and and deserves to win it, you know. And I, I don't have any problems with Hamilton. And I would have celebrated if Hamilton won his eighth championship level, well, there you go. There's, you know, you can't lie, he's the best there is, still is. But for Stafford coming across and winning it and being as consistent as he was, and I mean, getting the car, the state of that car in Hungary and getting it to a couple of points, that's that's defining. That's world championship defining. I mean, that car should never have got night. And when you saw the pictures afterwards, there was no bad ball. There was nothing. One side had a bad ball, the other side was missing. It's like when you'd buy a Formula One car from Wish. Yeah, you know, it was a, it was a mess. <laughs> uh, so you know, it's just the man. Uh, you know, he's just he he is very much once in a generation talent. And this season, he showed it. Everything clicked together. He understood it mentally, physically. The car worked for him. Everything just worked together. You know, let's see him do it for a few more years to come. And it's going to be really interesting to see everybody: Leclerc, Lando, Russell. Uh, signs all of them trying to go with Verstappen once you know once Hamilton goes which I think is probably going to be a couple of years I don't think it's going to be too far away when Hamilton decides to head off and do his other things uh, it'll be good to see Verstappen without the shadow of that you know not to say he's in a shadow but you know that Lewis Hamilton who is statistically the best Formula 1 driver ever when he goes away to do his own thing and you know kudos to him he's allowed to do that in a couple of years we don't have any issues uh, when it's when you've got not the, the there won't be I think in two or three years time I don't think there's going to be that many Formula One champions there you know Verstappen might get a second one Hamilton may get his eighth then if Alonso's not there do we have him there else other than Verstappen with the championship on the grid Seb. Mm. and he's only he's only twenty three he's been there for seven years twenty four uh, <laughs> so we're seeing Max Verstappen you know. God forbid, as long as Red Bull don't drop the ball in the sport mm. for ten years, I mean, yeah. Well, he said that was a, there was an interesting radio communication, obviously in, in the celebrations. Let's do this for another 10, 15 years. You know, he's, he's, I think he's, he's 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 happy in the Red Bull. Red Bull are happy with him. I think that I could see them legitimately doing that My, uh, for as long as they can. Max Verstappen and Red Bull is 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 perfect to fit as Lando Norris says in McLaren. Mm-hmm. It, it works <laughs> I can't see I don't think it would Max Verstappen and Jos Verstappen as them as a package 
standing at the back of the Ferrari garage. It doesn't work. They're a different entity. It doesn't work. That type of personality and the fierceness doesn't quite work. Not to say they're fierce and passionate, but it doesn't quite work in the atmosphere that's built up in McLaren. And there's no one else that could really take on, you know, Max. Max has been nurtured all the way through with Red Bull and Fred Bull are back to one ways. Why would he leave? Why would he go? Unless Hamilton then decides he's going to retire and then Mercedes give Red Bull a shitload of money. Uh, but Which then even wrong, at that, got George shits, yeah, but, yeah, but then they need a second person, I don't know, if Hamilton's not there. But I don't, I mean, Mataschitz and Red Bull owner doesn't need the money. So I don't see, I think it'll be a golden handshake. I think they'll give him a contract that he won't need to look anywhere else. Uh, it's, but yeah. Well, they've, the, the Joss Verstappen uh, said, "Well, Max will never drive for, for Mercedes anyway uh, after some of the shenanigans this season." So, well, I mean, obviously these these things are said in the heat of battle, uh, and if there's a nice big round figure, I'm sure these things can change. But uh, anyway, uh, Sean, what have you got to say about Max's championship? Uh, I mean, I, I think the the most important thing is whatever your opinions on the last race, and let's just assume for a second, it didn't happen. It doesn't matter. Max Verstappen deserved to be world champion this year. The right, the circumstances how he won are a bit suspect. Again, no rules are broken. But the right man won the championship. Max Verstappen deserved to win this year's world championship. Lewis Hamilton, arguably, by pure numbers and figures alone, did not. And if you're looking, obviously, stats don't mean everything. People have won, like Massa deserved it in 08 and he didn't win it. Um, but he did for about half a minute. Um, but if you're looking purely <laughs> on the stats and figures, nobody in their right mind, I know a lot of toxic fans are definitely not in the right minds, but nobody in their right mind can say Max Verstappen did not deserve this championship. He has been phenomenal. And I've got some of the stats from Red Bull's mm. own website here. He led 652 laps, which is over half of all race laps on the whole season. Hamilton, by comparison, only led 297. And the other nine drivers who led races this year combined only led 348. <laughs> Nobody's been that dominant out front since Seb Vettel in 2013. It's insane. 141, uh, Max Verstappen achieved the world title in his 141st start, uh, which is impressive in itself. That's not that many. Um, he had 18 podium finishes, which is the record for the most podium finishes in a single season. There's got to be a caveat there, though. It is the longest season we've had uh, in, in in the history yes, of Formula One. Fair. So, is that is that a, is that a good stat? Is that a bad stat? I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, to, to me, that's like saying you know Michael Schumacher won his championships with two t- teams that he built up from scratch. Lewis Hamilton was handed a winning car. It doesn't really matter. He still has seven championships. You can't take that away from him. Yeah. He has Schumacher would have had more wins if the seasons had been longer. He would yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. that's my point. So, but, yeah. but the, the, the fact that you can't take it away from him—he's number one in that, in that, no. in that sense. Yeah. Um, and as as Coop touched on, we said earlier on, he had a couple of DNFs and one race that he finished ninth. But every other race this season, he was first or second, and he won the most races. If we're counting Belgium, which the FIA do and Formula One do, so we have to. Um, I, he was yeah. just phenomenal all season, and. Consistency wins championships. Lewis Hamilton wins wins his championships because he is mechanically consistent. He is a robot in that car, except that this year he was beaten by a better robot. You know, Max out-consistencyed hmm. Mr. Consistent. 
which in itself is a feat worthy of the championship. And bear in mind, like compared to Lewis Hamilton, he is still a kid. What were you doing when you were 24? <laughs> I don't know about you, but you I don't, don't want to know, know. You, but I sure as hell didn't have the concentration or the wherewithal to have to, to be a Formula One world champion under that amount of pressure. I know Vettel did it at a younger, but he didn't have any pressure on him, did he? Really? Um, Max had pressure mm. on him. Vettel didn't lead the championship until he won it in 2010, so he had no pressure on him whatsoever that year. Max had it from day one. And uh, he was just peerless. He was incredible. And it's good for the sport to have a new champion. I think that's the most important thing. That's the thing I wanted. I'm not particularly a Max Verstappen fan, although he's definitely grown on me this year. I think even just his public persona has matured this year. Um, I can't help but wonder if maybe the Verstappens had some conversations with the Rosbergs about, you might not be able to play head games, but you'll annoy him by not being too vocal. And Max has been very quiet this year. He's been very calm and collected. He had the odd outburst but for the most part he's been calm cool collected no pressure doesn't get to me if i win it i win it if i don't win it i don't win it in plenty of time and he said all the right things at all the right times and that seemed to annoy him. if it didn't annoy lewis it sure as hell annoyed toto which was fun um but fun for christian <laughs> horner he did everything right he didn't put a foot wrong and the most most important thing is in abu dhabi he did nothing wrong at all no. One, he made that overtake on lap one and he made a point to stay in the lines of the track, which by all of his detractors' uh, points is the thing he does most often wrong that he goes off the track. He didn't. And he was still not given the place. And then Red Bull made the strategy call based on the safety car to put themselves in the best position to take like results of the safety car. And I've seen a lot of people this, this, this last week, which proves that people just are new to Formula One and maybe don't get it and we're just there to see Lewis get the title but don't understand it. I've seen people not even understand like the controversy of moving the cars out of the way or taking the safety car in too soon. People have been complaining that, oh, well, Lewis was dominating all we all, all race and his, the, 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 his, his lead was just wiped out by the safety car. I'm like, why is that a thing? And, I found, and even friends of mine, I found myself explaining that's the point of the safety car. That the is point, what the safety cars do, yeah. Bunch the cars up so the track is empty for long periods of time so the debris can be cleared away. That's the point. That's always been the point. Lewis has won and lost races. Lewis has lapped the whole field and still lost a race because the safety car wiped away his advantage. Seb has too. That annoyed me. It's just, just fair weather fans who know nothing. I get it's great that new people are coming to Formula One, but like at least learn what you're complaining about before you complain about it. Um, but mm. from his point, Max did nothing wrong. Red Bull did nothing wrong in Abu Dhabi. Lewis, for, for reference, could have pitted. He could have pitted. Max Verstappen was always going to pit. He wasn't going to stay out and let Lewis have the soft tires. He was always coming in. If Lewis had come in, he still would have come out ahead of Max, who would have come in. They, they oh, have, I don't they know. Have, I don't have, know. I'm not sure the there. I'm not there's, sure there's there. The argument that Perez was there as well, maybe, and he had a bit of backup. But if he had pitted, even if he lost track position mm-hmm. and Max had stayed out, Lewis was on the fresher tires. If all the controversy had happened, Lewis would have won. Coops made a good point. Those five drivers were going wide at turn one anyway. There was nothing in the world that was going to make any one of them stay in the way. Doesn't matter how hard they were fighting. They weren't going wide at turn one. They were all slowing down down the straight. It was safer for their own races for them to just go wide at turn one. Max, probably, he had two kilometers worth of straights. He did it on the first attempt. He had two kilometers worth of straights and no DRS, but fresh tires to do it. He probably would have got him anyway. We can't say he would have or would have, but he had 35 lap younger, two steps softer tires. He'd have got him. 
he would have got him. Those drivers were getting out of the way. So I'm delighted for Max. I want a Max to win it all season. On my first podcast here, I said I'd put my fiver on Max. I think he'll do it. I think he he had the calmness, he had the the talent, he had the car, and he had the engine, most importantly, to do it. I was really impressed by Honda because I believe I infamously said that, not here, but I have been known to say that Max would never win a championship with a Honda engine. I, I, I hold my hands up and admit I was wrong on that one. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, it was, it, I think it was good for Formula One. And just as a point as well, the number one. Yeah, of course he should take the number one. Why wouldn't he take the number one? The reason Lewis Hamilton doesn't take the number one, other than for preseason testing to remind everyone that he is number one, and, which is his right to do, is, like we said, branding. Cristiano Ronaldo came to Manchester United and two people had to give up the number seven jersey so he could have the number seven jersey because his brand is CR7. Cristiano Ronaldo was not playing for Manchester United, not with the seven on his back. Lewis Hamilton's brand is LH44. MV33 is nowhere near as established a brand. Hasn't even got a tip on it. LH44 is an enormous brand. So of course he races. I think it's trademarked, is it not? It is trademarked. Yeah. Yeah, we got told. We got to, we got told that for something <laughs> with LH44. Um, so of course he's going to always race. And Nico Rosberg probably would have raced under the number one as well had he stayed on because NR6. Who whose brand mm. is NR6? You know. But of course Max is going to race under the number one. Why would he not? Everyone, I think, other than Lewis Hamilton, would race under the number one. Nobody has a brand as established as his. Which top credit to him? He did the right thing. He's got himself set up for after Formula One with his brand. In the same way Ronaldo does, he is Formula One's Cristiano Ronaldo, and he's based on his number. He won his carving in his number. He came back into Formula One when he got to pick his number. He picked his number, and he races under that number. And he's always had the option. His Formula E teams get forty-four in it as well. Uh, he, yeah, his Extreme E team. You mean? Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm, yeah, sorry. Extreme E team has the forty-four. X forty. Well, which was, by the way, which was. Which was beaten by Rosberg. Rosberg. I know, that made me very happy. <laughs> that made me very happy. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm, sure, yeah. I'm sure there was uh, lots, of, lots of champagne, extra champagne in the Rosberg household for that one. Um, but yes, yeah, so of course Max is going to take the number one. He's not arrogant or a douchebag for taking the number one. He's well within his rights. No one said Seb was arrogant for taking it in 2014. It jinxed him. But no one said he was arrogant for it. He was within his rights to do it. And Lewis has used number one. He just doesn't for uh, preseason testing. And for filming days, most importantly, he uses number one as well for generic filming where they don't want one or the other driver. They just want the car. They race it in number one. Mm. Of course, Max is going to take the number one. And he's right to. And I can't wait to see it. It's great to have number one back on the thing, and I think it's good for the sport. It's his first championship. Bear that in mind as well. By the time that these custom numbers came in, Lewis was already a world champion and had begun to... So he'd already, he raced, already with raced with number one, one on his car. Yeah. So any new champion in the... He's, Max is... <laughs> this is bizarre to say. Max is the first new champion to ha- who's never won it before to have the option because Rosberg retired. So they're just comparing it to someone who's developed their number as a brand. Of course, he's going to take number one and he's right to take number one and he's not arrogant for it. And I, I think that that annoys me when I see that, but I'm delighted for him. I think, I think it was good for Formula One. Let's wrap this up then because we've been, this has been an epic podcast, uh, longer than we uh, were originally expecting. Um, so number in the number one spot, the best thing of the season was the fact that Max Verstappen won it. Uh, and that, Sticks in my throat as a British fan because I do have a British bias, but I can't take it away from Max Verstappen because he he did perform just brilliantly this year. Uh, there's, uh, you know, I can't say anything negative uh, to, uh, about it. Um, there were decisions which is FAA's fault. There were incidents on the track, but in equal direction. 
um, at varying points throughout the season. Um, but Max was consistent. Max was cool. Max was calm. And, and he performed better than everyone else this year, hands down. Um, so congratulations, Max Verstappen, on your first championship. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next year uh, and seeing what you can do uh, as the reigning champion. Okay, so that was our, be- our five best and five worst things from the 2021 F1 season. We hope you enjoyed listening. Thank you very much for tuning in. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can get all the latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop uh, every single week. Now, we will have a week off next week because it's Christmas. We'll let everyone have a little bit of a break uh, and you can all kind of enjoy your Christmas period ready and waiting for our first podcast of the year, which will be the one uh, that drops just after New Year's Day. We look forward to you tuning in then. Thank you very much for my co-hosts uh sean and coops thanks guys thank you very much thank you and thanks for Bye. thanks for bringing me on this year it's been a great addition to my year being joining the team this year this has been a lot of fun i'm very much looking forward to the next year for it for to even get better yeah absolutely and we're, we're happy with the content and your input this year thank you very much for all the listeners for listening to all the podcasts this year and our regular listeners that have tuned in to pretty much every episode and our brand new ones that have maybe just tuned into the last few we thank every single one of you for tuning in this year and being a listener to the everything f1 podcast we've got loads more ambitions for this podcast and of course we've got loads more guests that are ready and waiting to come on as well we thank every single one of those guests that have made this show what it is uh, over the year um, and we, we would be really thankful to uh, have you on again in the future. So all the to say is thank you very much for listening and we will see you in the new year. Bye-bye. Merry Christmas Bye. and a happy new year. Bye. 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 Bye.